Hey, Schmackamagab, it's time for another thrilling, killer, awesome, greatest episode from the greatest podcast ever, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I am Ralph, and with me is... Oh yeah! Did it come across now? No, we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna have to buy. Like, I'm gonna have to get down. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit a beer crack in the beginning of these episodes. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know. Oh, man. Well. It's this Zoom shit, man. It's evil. It doesn't want to let. It, it wants yeah. people to stop drinking. Well, fuck that. I'm Wadzilla. <laughs> you don't want to be like me. Don't be like me, kids. Keep drinking. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, we're here with another thrilling audio and video. Yep. Uh, one thing yeah. I noticed, Ian, on the live, well, I, 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 I haven't looked in the past couple of days, but I noticed the Podbean had more views than our videos. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I'm kind of, I'm surprised and not surprised. I, I think people are just so used to uh, getting on Podbean and people have their different you know, the way you set shit up, you can have it to where if you follow this show, it automatically downloads it and shit like that. Um, you know, and, and the YouTube channel just, uh, it isn't, you know, as big as, you know, like your channel. It, 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 is, it isn't updated enough. Yeah. That's what we're going to bring the views here. We're going to work on that. I did get some good feedback, though, because uh, there, there's people that love being able to watch us now which I don't get, but uh, they like having the options. And, uh, you know, I was very happy, you know, the numbers with both of them. You know, I thought were pretty pretty respectable. So uh, I'm happy with that. I hope people are enjoying it, you know. Leave some more comments. Everybody get on that uh, YouTube page, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hit subscribe, change your notifications to all. And we were hoping this week uh, to start the Patreon. And I haven't been there. I told people earlier in the week, I was like, hey, you know, be on the Facebook page this week. Find out how to do the Patreon. Uh, and then two problems. One, Patreon's being a pain in the ass. And two, I'm banned from posting in groups right now. So hopefully the, the day after we record this, I think I can post in groups again. Facebook, man. God, fucking Facebook. Every time I try to come back, uh, something happens, you know, and pisses me off and makes me wish I didn't know what it was. But it's a necessary tool, you know, to to get to the audience. But hopefully I have the, the Patreon shit. You know, I know I always promise shit and it never comes through or not in the time frame. But I have actually been working on it. But there's been an issue with being able to link, uh, you know, our Facebook page to it and, and this YouTube channel. Which, you know, there's complications because the Patreon's in my name, but the YouTube is in Ralph's name. And I'm trying to straighten all this shit out. And this shit's, this shit's above our pay grade. Oh, no, you no, know? Ian. No, Ian. Um, I gave you the password and the email so you can run the YouTube page. Anyway. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm still I don't having have, issues. I don't have, all I do is upload a video, but you work on yeah. that. Because you, you got yeah. all the information to make it your way. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying, you know, and it's just, it's really, it's not my forte. I, I'm good at telling dick jokes and shit, you know, and making you people laugh. But, I mean, if it's not downloading porn or music, I don't know how to do this shit on, on this fucking computer. And I, I'm kind of interested in, if we have 
you know, like an Uber fan who is like really good at shit like that, uh, I would be willing to like, okay, you know, give you a free uh, membership to the Patreon and, and stuff like that. The problem is when you offer something like that, you get, you know, 30 motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I, you know, and, and you know about as much as us, which is, you know, we don't know fuck about shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how we got, you know, who on this show, because we thought he would do all the technical shit. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time of hearing this, if there's somebody and please just, you know, I'm asking you as a friend and your hero. One of your heroes, uh, along with Ralph, Ralph first. Uh, if, if you guys are really good at this kind of shit, you know, and like linking everything to, you, you know, that would be interested in, in running like an Instagram page, you know, all the shit that the fucking millennials are into now, you know, to get this shit out and to get it to where everything works properly. If there's somebody out there that has the time and the interest and, and most importantly, the talent to do it, uh, reach out to me on Facebook, because I, I would love to, like, hand this off to somebody. But it would have to be somebody, like, you know, you know what you're doing, somebody we can trust, you know, because you would be kind of like an administrator on shit, too. So I'm, I'm not going to give just to anybody because you're a, a super fan. No, no, we, we only want somebody that can hook up our uh, Patreon. Lickety-split. Lickety-split. Yeah. Not a day yeah. or two. Right there, bam! All right, you're already on here. Yeah, that that would be that would be awesome, you know, because we there's a lot of cool things we want to do, but you know, well, you know, it took me a month to get us on fucking iTunes, and I had to create a whole nother email that I can't delete now that I have to keep because that's what's locked into our iTunes, and if I was to change it, I would have to redo it. We would lose all the views. And the kind of shit, like, when we do reach out to people for an interview, they have to see those numbers to say, like, yeah, okay, we'll talk to you. Because we, we've had ones that turned us down in the past because of the fucking numbers, but now we got the numbers. You know, it's the same thing with Podbean. You know, there's other avenues I would like to do other than Podbean, but we're almost at a million downloads on Podbean. <laughs> and that looks attractive to people that we would like to ask to come on the show. And if we were to start all over, they'd look at us like, uh, what do you, what, what is this, the, the, the BS yeah. sessions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what is this, free form? You know, so it's like, on the technical aspect of these shows, sometimes you get locked into shit that you wish you weren't, but if you're kind of computer ignorant and shit like that, man, shit like this happens. But we really got some good shit down the pipe as soon as we can figure it out that I think people will be interested in. And and again, you know, we're going to be charging a very small fee for, you know, I think you get a lot. And I did research compared to what other people charge for their Patreons and what they do. And I don't feel like we'd be ripping anybody off or breaking the bank, uh, but something that helps us and gives you guys something extra. So hopefully, hopefully soon. Just know that I am working on it, but I'm retarded. Give me your money. <laughs> Give me your money. All right. Well, we recorded this uh, today instead of yesterday because you went to a concert. What did you yeah. go to? I went to go see Ingve J. Malmsteen. Not Ingve M, but Ingve J. Malmsteen. Ah. And Glenn Hughes. 
And some yeah. opening band, I don't remember their name, but they were pretty damn good with a pretty damn good singer. And now, you know, to set it up, I got there really early because my friend Greg, I went with my friend Greg and he wanted to beat traffic. So we ended up going up there early, eating up there, and then uh, who shows up? What venue, what venue was this? It was called the Parker's Playhouse. Paul's about 1,100 people. It's kind we're, of like a nice venue. It's really made for plays and stuff. Um, I saw Cheap Trick there. I saw a couple shows there in the past, but not a lot of shows play there. It's more like plays. And I saw Graham Nash was going to play there from Crosby, Still and Nash. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. It's not really a venue I go to much, but when I got there early, who do I see? Dave the Beast Spitz and my friend David nice. Ice. Now, nice. Dave the Beast was in Seven Star Black Sabbath, you know. So, you know, he was in a band with Glenn Hughes. So David, my friend David Lovett, hooked it up where they got, you know, passes to meet Glenn Hughes. And, uh, yeah, they went in there and he showed me the video. Like, like Glenn Hughes was really surprised to see the Beast, you know. Yeah. We haven't seen each other in fucking many, 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 many decades. Anyway, that was cool. I saw my friend Yai, you know, my friend for... Yeah. I saw Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Yeah, and he went with his wife. And I saw many, 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 many people that I knew. My friend Jay, who has fully transitioned into a woman and was really weird about this. I guess it's not weird because I'm not so fluent on transsexuals, even though... I bragged that I wanted to bang one, but I got over that. Um, my friend Jay totally transitioned to, into a chick, right? Yeah. Yesterday, I met, I saw him with a girlfriend. I don't know. I, I had no idea transsexuals had girlfriends. I, I think they'd get a boyfriend. I don't know. But anyway, girlfriend was nice. It was good meeting them. I, I like Jay because Jay's very, you know, the very ironic part of Jay was he was in a band called Comantra and he was a little kid. He was like 13, 12 years old and he sang just like Glenn Hughes. And I saw him wow. yesterday. I was like, dude, it's amazing. You know, we're going to about to see Glenn Hughes and you sounded like Glenn Hughes when you were a little kid, you know? Anyway, so uh, Glenn Hughes comes out and he does nothing but Deep Purple songs that he was involved. He opened with Stormbringer. He did um, Might Just Take Your Life, Keep Me Moving, uh, Mistreated. Uh, God, what was the one he did from uh, Come and Taste the Band? Is it Keep, it, keep On Moving? Keep Me Moving? Is that yeah, it? yeah, that's that's from that. A lot of times he does Ode to G uh, live too. But it was uh, it was awesome. The guy is a freaking nature. His voice, you know, people make excuses for Paul Stanley and shit. Go watch Glenn Hughes. Go watch Robin Zander. Go watch Steven Tyler. Those guys still got it. And man, Glenn Hughes was just unbelievably good. And he promised on stage he's coming back in February. It's supposed to be back. I don't know if it's going to be Black Communion or probably. Or, yeah, or so, but he said he's coming back in February, and uh, he was great. He was awesome. Played a great how was the how was, how was the band? The band was tight, awesome. The guitar player ruled. Uh, drummer was good. 
You know, he played bass, they had a keyboard player. They're amazing. And then Ingve J. Mouncy. Now here's the thing about Ingve. I've seen Ingve, I don't know, maybe 30 times. Because a guy lives down here. So um I stopped going to see Ingve. Now, not because I'm tired of seeing him live. I love Ingve Live. He's awesome. But you know, I mean, I've seen him so many times. It's kind of like, eh. But you know, this time he's coming to Glen Hughes. So of course I stuck around to see Ingve. And he, hey, you know, if you either get it or you don't. There's a lot of guitar players there. I love seeing Ingve. I love seeing him do, uh, and he does it every single show. Um, Far from the sun, too far from the whatever it's called. Yeah. Such a great instrumental. He did Evil Eye, he did a You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget. But they had the worst fucking t-shirt for sale for anything. It looked like a little kid drew the trilogy album cover. It was no. so hokey looking. It was bad. And he had he had two shirts, that and this other shirt that I would never wear. It's a shirt, you've probably seen it before, because he's been selling it for years. It says Ingve who? And then on the back it says Ingve fucking bouncy. I would never wear a shirt like that, you know? No. Yeah. I, I would wear one if it said, I don't eat fucking donuts. Yeah. <laughs> but he was great. Yeah, that's trilogy. Trilogy's my favorite album cover, so I would love a good trilogy shirt, but yeah, you well, say it looked fucking terrible, huh? It wasn't yeah. a good looking shirt. It was horrible. It looked like and, a two year old drew it. And of course, nowadays when you see Ingve, uh, he's the singer as well. Yeah, you know the thing about Ingve's voice—he doesn't have a bad voice. I mean, I don't think anybody can say Ingve's got a bad voice. The problem is when you have people like Jeff Scott Soto and Ripper and Mark Bowles. I mean, those are amazing. Mm -hmm. Ingve's is a good singer. You know, he's okay. And I don't mind it when he sings like, what was the song he sang? Oh, Now Your Ships Are Burned. He sang that one. And it wasn't that bad because Jeff Scott Soto did sing in a lower register. It was all right. And yeah, you know, uh, my drummer's no longer with him. Um, he And my drummer, by the way, yesterday put up a picture on Facebook with Michael Denner in Michael Denner's... I saw record, that. In Michael Denner's record store in Copenhagen. Yeah, I saw that shit. How awesome is that, man? He, that kid's living the dream, man. I'm so proud of him. Fuck yeah, playing with Night Demon. Yeah. Happy for him, man. Playing all around the world, all these killer festivals. I just saw they're going to be part of a killer metal cruise. Yeah. Unbelievable uh, what, what Brian is going through. That's now, do you feel with, you know, now that Ingve's singing as well as playing, do you notice any, does his playing suffer at all? Because I know sometimes, you know, some people can sing and play at the same time and some people can't, you know? And I was wondering, do you think it like suffered at all or, you know, he was better when he was just focused on the guitar? Nah, Ingve's always been the same. The thing about Ingve, he's never gotten better or worse. He's been the same since the Steelers. Game. You know, his, his, his playing never diminished. But I can't say he's gotten better either. He, he's only, but you know, I mean, Ingve's a game changer. I mean, he's one of those guitar players. Maybe 
you know, when people talk about, oh, uh, Eddie Van Halen and Hendrix. But dude, you gotta put, you gotta throw in Ingray for what he did the 80s guitar. I mean, everybody was freaking out over Ingray Malmsteen, especially in the early days, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's always had respect. I, I mean, I could only take so much of it, though. So, yeah. Know, I mean, a lot of that classical shit that I don't, I don't like, you know, but the shit that I like, I like. Did he do Heaven Tonight? No. I like that shit, that gay ass shit. Yeah, I was happy to do that. But let's let's get back to your friend Jay. Did Jay get mad that you kept calling him dude? <laughs> and did he change his name to Y? His name was Jason, actually. You know, yeah. uh, uh, what's funny is that, I don't know if you saw it, but they finally released the animated video of Thrasher Dies No Pose Wild. It, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's finally been done. And the beginning of the, it's an animated video, but the beginning of the video is Jay, but Jason when he was a little kid, trying to draw and throwing away paper. And it's like, oh yeah? Yeah, it's like, this is like 10 years old, you know? But finally the video came out and it's amazing. I gotta see that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And Awesome. Uh, yeah, so it was a great show. I was glad I went. They just announced Raven is coming with uh, Vicious Rumors. Nice. We're going to see George Lynch. In a, George Lynch is my next show. Nice. Yeah. Just just him by himself? Yeah. I mean, I mean, is it is it Lynch Mob or like just George Lynch? Oh, uh, they just announced it as George Lynch. And I'm like, weren't we discussing this not too long ago? Like, drop the fucking Lynch Mob, just go out of George Lynch? Because your name yeah. is more popular than Lynch Mob. Well, I guess he listened to it because mm. he's coming down as George Lynch, so I'm definitely going to that. Satan's coming, another band. Well, well, the thing I'm wondering about with George Lynch is he does have a new uh, solo album coming out, like an instrumental. It's not Lynch George Mob. Lynch? Yeah, it's, it's going to be like, you know, like Sacred Groove and shit like that. It's just being released uh, under that, so that's what I was curious that's what you're seeing i mean i'm sure he's gonna play a mixture of shit because that's what people want to see man i haven't but, seen george lynch in decades man me i've never seen him never fucking seen george lynch I think now i'll have to go to one, one of these horrible docking shows to see him i saw lynch mob i think it was like 2001 that's a lot of time i saw george lynch was oni with him at the time or, or somebody else i don't think oni was there but i could be wrong 2001, is that when he was doing the fucking Limp Biscuit shit? No, that was probably he later. Did, he didn't do it that night. You know? Yeah. But yeah. It, was, well, you know, it wasn't good. George Lynch is very hit and miss with me. There's times yeah. I see him where he's just phenomenal, and then other times he's like, eh, he wasn't, it's not as good as, like, you know, how he could be. So I'm yeah. hoping I'm not disappointed with the next show. Well, we got, we got some George Lynch and, uh, some docking stuff to talk about when we get into the news. So let's do that. Let's do it. All right. Let's see what do we got going on here. Uh, Glenn Hughes, who you just saw, says he hopes David Coverdale can resume White Snake's farewell tour. He says I only wish him the best. And uh, I don't know. The longer that goes, uh, I don't think we're going to see that. What do you think? Yeah, man. Uh, there were two times I was supposed to see White Snake, and both times it got canceled. Opening for Priest, and I can't remember the other band he was opening for where they canceled both shows. 
So yeah, it's kind of like been a prick to you, you know, to White Snake. But I mean, White Snake, I'd go see because now he's got a singer up on stage to sing the stuff he can't do anymore. So you right. can still get live vocals on stage. You know? Right. I would like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I would go, but I, I mean, the longer it goes on, you know, the harder it's going to be for him. Where I'm kind of okay, just call it a day. I mean, it sucks it ended like that, but, you know, with his health shit and, and then, you know, the COVID delays and shit like that, I, I don't see anything wrong with these people just bowing out, you know? If you can't bring it, don't. I'm not the biggest White Snake guy. Yeah, you know, I love the John Sykes stuff and I like the live album in the Heart of the City, but, you know, I wasn't really, I, I did see them. I saw them with Vivian Campbell on the White Snake tour with Great White. Then I saw the one with Steve I. And yeah, I saw with Steve I, it was like, dude, one of the greatest vocal performances I ever saw in my life was that Steve I show, David Coverdale. That was a good one on fire his vocals were top notch that night and yeah no i like that show the only thing i didn't like was the set list too much from slip of the tongue and that was a pretty shitty album yeah yeah it was but uh i don't think i've ever seen white snake after that i think i've only seen him twice i saw him in the early 2000s i think yeah early 2000s i saw him at house of blues and it was a good show. I mean, fun show. But um, he's he's just one of those, he's got such a distinctive voice. And if you don't have that, you know, and you got to rely on the background guy to carry it, you know, the heavy load. I'm kind of like, why bother? You know? And then another thing you look at, how long of show are you going to get? You know, the older these people get, they're not doing the, you know, like a Bruce Springsteen four-hour show. So you're going to get a condensed show, which is basically going to come down to a greatest hits, um, you know, set up. And I'm just, I, I'm not that greatest hits guy. You know, when bands quit playing deep cuts and adding shit, I, I lose interest. You know, just like with this new Aerosmith tour that got postponed. You know, people were getting all excited about like one or two deep cuts. But still, it's like the majority of it, you know, I don't want to hear a fucking pump and fucking you know, get a grip shit and that fucking horrible fucking uh, uh, Armageddon song that you'll never see them not play now. Nah, you know, and just... I, I'm the opposite. I like that they're doing this set list because tickets are too expensive and I don't want to pay for that shit and I don't want to go. So, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't make it a great set list because I don't want to pay that crazy money. Well, one thing I will give them, at the three shows they did do, there was some interchanging you know, of some deep cuts. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, do you pay that kind of money to take a chance that the night you go is going to be, you yeah. know, the night they they play your favorite cut or do you get stuck with a, with a horrible one? You know, that's the thing I look at with this Metallica tour going on now. And yeah, I think it's cool the whole two nights and everything. But I just like, oh God, what if by some chance I could only make one night and, you know, some of those set lists are fucking horrible where they're still trying to push the fucking you know sane anger shit and i'm like god damn they keep throwing like trying to like just give it up man that was an abortion nobody wants to hear that fucking shit 
You know, but then they, they mix in all the load and the reload and the black album shit I don't want to fucking hear. That's just a way of saying we're proud of this material. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And then they know, but I, I, I don't know. I should say that they do know nobody wants to hear it. But then again, I think probably a lot of people that go see Metallica nowadays do want to hear that shit. So I'm in the minority because there is a lot of people who love that fucking crap, you know? And, and they would be pissed off if they went to it, you know, and didn't hear Hero of the Day or even Inner Sandman. I would love to go see a fucking Metallica show where they didn't play Inner Sandman. I'd be like, fucking A, awesome. Yeah, I need to hear it again. Yeah, it's going to be one of the two shows you ain't going to hear it. Right, right. But, the, you know, I but you know, either show, you're not going to hear only songs off the first two Metallica albums, which I saw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you you got the perfect like call. It, you never need to see them again. Yeah, I why? Saw the perfect Metallica show. Yeah, go go out with that. You know that's whew, lucky fucker, man. All right. Well, speaking of beating a dead horse, Wendy Dio says a remix version of Last in Line album is in the works for 2024. Oh, I thought you were going to give a singing Stanley story. A what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, we got to give a shout out to Sinkin' Stanley and Bill Wang started their own thing. Yeah. So, hey, hey, I love them both. Congratulations. Wish you nothing but the best. Uh, Wendy Dio. Uh, yeah, yeah. Releasing the last in line. Uh, I'm down for it. I was happy with the uh, with the Holy Diver remix. Um, as long as you can always get the original, you know, that's my only thing. I don't mind some of these remixes. Some of them are incredible and, and, and better the album. Some you're like, eh, it's okay, but I'm going to listen to the fucking original. So as long as there's both, and that's how they did it on the last one. And if they do it with uh, Last in Line, I'm all for it. I mean, any more Dio I can get, I'm happy about it. What, what did you think of the Holy Diver remix? I really liked it, and I liked uh, was it Holy Diver that had an ending to it, it didn't fade out. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't buy it though, but I, I plan on buying it eventually. Yeah. But is no. it going to be the same shit, or is it just the album last time? Well, I, I think it's going to be done the same way they did Holy Diver. You're going to have like a new remaster of the original mix, and then you're going to have the the whole album in a remix and who knows i mean they, they don't have any details yet there might be some live shows and and b-sides and shit like that you know probably a lot of stuff you, you've heard before um the thing i like about when they do reissues like this and we talked about this previously on a lot of these remasters they do shows that we might have had a bootleg of but now are like you know professionally done and cleaned up so you hear a much better sounding uh, you know, I love when that happened with Sabbath, stuff that I, you know, I had crappy bootlegs of and now here, you know, sounds so much better because you have the original soundboard or, you know, there's some production magic on there that really enhances it, so I'm all for To get a, a Blu-ray of special from the Spectrum, I, oh. thought, I thought that was the best. Yeah, that was better than Sacred Heart. That last in line, oh, yeah. the set list, it was just awesome. Oh yeah, give, give me original, original fucking uh, Dio lineup, fucking Greg Goldie. 
Uh, all right. Well, Dawkins says his relation on his relationship with George Lynch. We're too old to argue anymore. Uh, I, I think it's more they're too broke to argue anymore. Yeah, yeah, no shit. You know, uh, and I, I hope they are. I, I hope they do get along. You know, I hate seeing these guys argue because I think they created some fucking great music. And uh, they sure did in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. But the thing that's disappointed, like, I mean, this shit's been going on for years now with the Lynch mob opening up for Doc, and, and then Lynch comes out for the same three fucking songs every time. And I wish they would at least, like, switch it up, do some different songs. I mean, I love the ones that they do together, Kiss and Dab, all that shit, you know, but, you know, for the true fans, fucking mix it up a little bit. But, uh... Did you hear the the new single released from the new upcoming Dockin' album? Yeah, I, I heard two songs so far, and yeah, I heard them both. You did? Yeah. Um, okay. Oh. That's total studio magic. Oh yeah. Don cannot sing like that. No, I didn't think it was awesome, but I enjoyed them. They're all right. Yeah, I I don't know. To me, it didn't have the the magic songwriting wise and guitar playing which is odd because you know we both seen docking with with uh, john uh levin john levin on guitar and that guy can do lynch to a t you know he's like tommy thayer on that shit, you know uh, but when it comes to songwriting i think it's a different beast and and uh you know there's people who can play other people's licks all day long but when it comes to actually writing something you know, but then again, I mean, at this age, they're, they're both pushing fucking 70. Who knows if, 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 you know, he had George Lynch, they'd come up with something that's going to match tooth and nail. And again, even if it was that good, would it be as good to us? You know, it, it, it's hard with some of this newer shit, you know, it, it's, I don't know. We're just, we're kind of set in our ways and we have the stuff that we love and, and the memories that go with it. And, I mean, every once in a while I hear a new song from an artist I like that I like, but it's still, it's never like the magic of the old shit, in, in my opinion. What you think? Yeah, no, I mean, it's very rare. There are some some bands, some legacy acts that I think release great albums now, but they're very few. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the last Scorpions. I was listening to that yesterday. That album was so good. Um, I, I, I gotta give it another try, man. I just couldn't get it. I love it. I think it's better than anything they've done after Blackout. Um, which, by the way, um, to put another Scorpion story, there's talk of them wanting to do a 60th anniversary show next Wow. Week. And they recently asked Uli if he would be part of it. He goes, yeah, I would love to. That would yeah. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see that. Even though Uli, yeah. Uli gave me permanent hearing damage, but I'd still go see him. Oh my God, that shit was. I talked about it after the show, but that shit was painful, painfully loud. It hurt so bad, but the guy is fucking amazing. I'd love to see him up with the Scorpions, you know, particularly just to hear them play the, that era of Scorpions, which the older I get, the more and more I love the 70s Scorpions. Yeah. It took me a while. It took, took me a while to, excuse me, to get into it. That's but nowadays, favorite. it's always yeah. my favorite. Uh, oddly enough, it was Virgin Killer. 
That was the first yeah. one. I heard that. I was like, whoa, this is even better than, you know, Animal Magnetism and shit like that. And I loved all that stuff, too. But yeah. Then when I, I hunted down, you know, the rest of them, and Tokyo Tape. Yeah. That, to me, is the best quote. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's not as uh, jokey and hokey, you know? I think that's one detriment to 80s, 80s Scorpions. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit too... I mean, it's not poison, but some of the shit's just kind of silly, where I think the 70s shit still sounds like it, it holds up. Scorpion, 80s Scorpions was awful. After... <laughs> well, yeah, the love first thing was okay. But after that, mm. it was just terrible. Right. Uh, well, here's something I, I find hilarious. Uh, Motley Crue shares Hotter Than Hell demo from upcoming 40th anniversary edition of Shout at the Devil. This Hotter Than Hell demo, which which is a demo for Louder Louder Than Hell, which was on Theater of Pain, they released this on the Motley Crue remasters released 20 years ago. It, it, it's not like this is anything new. I mean, this box set does look cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, the shit that comes not, with it. But there's nothing rare on it. Yeah, there, there's there's nothing new. And I think it's funny. Oh, yeah, we're going to share this. But you never heard this. Yeah, all of us suckers who went back and bought all those Motley Crue remasters, we already know this shit. And it's not that good. It's horrible. The, yeah. the, the demo, Hotter Than Hell, it sounds like shit. I thought the Knock em Dead demo was good. That was like the only demo I liked that of all. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like, ugh. I, I can see why uh, it didn't make, you know, Shout at the Devil. I'm like, yeah, 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 shove this fucker. And then they were so hard up for Theater of Pain that they're like, well, it's already written, <laughs> you know. All those uh, bonus tracks, Run for Your Life and shit like that, they're kind of green. Well, it, I mean, ruined. it ruined Shout at the Devil for me. It's like, stop adding songs. Put a separate disc on there with the bonus shit. Stop adding I Will Survive and shit like this at the end of the album. It ruins it for me. Yeah. I mean, another thing, it's Motley Crue. Think of the horrible songs that make the album. Imagine the shit that's not good enough for a Motley Crue album. Imagine the, the songs that weren't good enough for Girls, Girls, Girls. Oh, my God. Oh. Whew. All right, well, uh, yeah, but I, I gotta say, after I watched that, I watched the trailer again for the box set, and it's like, damn, I'm tempted. I'm tempted, just because I think it's a really cool package, and it, it's neat shit, and I would love to have it, like, on 180 gram vinyl. I've got an original copy on vinyl, but uh, I would love, like, a 180 gram of it, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know how much it costs. I'm sure it's way too fucking much money, but... Um, Here's something, now, I don't know uh, if you can talk about this, so if you can't, just say, because, you know, this is live, and, well, we're recording it live. Yeah, anyway, well, I'm not right? editing this shit. Yeah, you know what I fucking mean. All right, uh, but Ace Fraley has completed mixing eight songs for next solo album. I can't and... talk about it. I can't talk about it. Okay. All right. Uh, I am not looking forward to this. And yes, I'm, you know, I'm known as the fucking ace hater, you know, as far as his solo shit, you know, and I, I think he's pretty shitty as a human being, but uh, 
yeah, his solo shit, I, I think, is... Yeah. Especially, you know, the, the later shit. But this new one's being done with Steve Brown from Trickster. And that doesn't give me promise. That doesn't get me excited. You know? And it's kind of like when Michael Stripe said, I should produce Van Halen. No. No, I don't think so. I don't think. He probably would have done better than, than the other producer, but no. You know? Um, I think the problem with Ace is he's so fucking lazy. So fucking lazy. So whoever works with him on the album, you're going to get more of who that person is than who Ace is, you know? And a prime example of that would be, you know, Second Siding. You got way more Todd Howard, which I love those songs. Most people hate that shit. I like them. But this is a man who, you know, there's covers on every fucking album because, you know, writing the song is work, you know? And uh, I just... I, I'm not optimistic for this, but when it comes out, I will listen to it. I will give it a chance. I hope it's good. I'm rooting for Ace. I just expect it to be shit. Do you think this is going to be a good album, Ralph? Well, having the guy from Trickster work on it doesn't give me hope. Yeah. I think Trickster's a joke band. They're jokey. You know, give it to me good. I mean, they're... <laughs> they're oh, so bad. It's such a bad, horrible band. And uh, him working with Ace doesn't give me hope that it's going to be any good. And, matter of fact, you know, I'm the opposite of you. I love Ace's solo albums. I love Spaceman, Space Invader. I loved all that shit. But um, I have no hope for this. You know, I was very disappointed with Anomaly. So maybe this will be the next anomaly. Uh, I didn't like Second Sighting either. I love Trouble Walking, the first album, Spaceman, Space Invaders. I love all those records. Mm. But no, I I'm I'll, I will be shocked if the next album will be good. And also sad news: the guy that would hook me up with all those Ace Fairly albums no longer works for that record company. So. Oh really? Yeah. That, no, no, no more was that you? E1 music or something like that? Yeah, they, they, they changed the name to Matriarch, but yeah, he's no longer there. So no more freebies for me. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, my lord and savior performed Van Halen Classics at the Oracle Cloud World 2023 corporate event in Las Vegas. Uh, I hate these fucking corporate shows. I, I really do. They're, they're for the type of fans that I can't stand. Uh, but you see more and more, especially legacy bands, doing them. And I, uh, my only guess is they just must throw out retarded money, you know, to get these guys to do it. Because to me, it's so unrock and roll. Um, but Dave performed with the All-Stars cover band Royal Machines. Uh, which <laughs> includes... Chris Chainley from, uh, used to be in Jane's Addiction, Billy Morrison from The Cult, and Billy Idol, Mark McGrath, Jesus Christ from Sugar Ray, Dexter Holland, Steve Stevens, Donovan's Kid, Tommy Clitoris, uh, Paul Trudeau, I have no idea if it's Billy Idol, Shirley Manson from Garbage, and Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC, so, 
Yeah, it's probably isn't nothing I'd be interested in. I watched a little bit of the clips, and uh, they were just that. They were clips. They wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's okay. You know what you get with Dave. Um, the thing is, I don't think you can't appreciate it from watching video somebody filmed on their phone. But when you're there and Dave performs, you just you get caught up in the magic. Even if he's having an off night, there's still a magic in the air. There's still like an aura that you know you're around fucking David Lee Roth. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain to somebody who who hasn't been there. You know, it, it just what he brings to the table transcends. He could his off night would be better than most people's best performance. You know, Sammy Hagar. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I like that he's still getting out and doing stuff, though, you know? And he's still, I mean, he's wacky, crazy Dave. He puts out all these videos that I'm just like, what the fuck is going on in this guy's head? You know, God bless. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love him. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I wish he would either do, like, some new good music with good musicians or just enjoy life <laughs> enjoy retirement but uh fuck it if he's out there having fun you go for it man uh but yeah it sucks you know see, he's playing a corporate gig but then again to me it, it sucks seeing him open up for scab kiss you know even though i thought he did pretty good you know but, yeah he did actually you know i saw out of all the videos i saw i think i saw one bad show and the rest i was like Holy shit, he sounds pretty good, you know. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reasons, I don't know if we'll ever officially get the truth on why that ended. But, uh, oh well. Uh, Alice Cooper uh, says the only person who should be allowed to use AI in music is Paul McCartney. I'm not sure exactly what he means by that. I didn't read the thing, but I, I thought it was kind of sad. Did you see... Uh, now even Alice Cooper is getting canceled. He got dropped from a makeup company that, uh, you know, because of comments he made about transgender kids and shit. Did you see that? Well, the day that they canceled him was the day I saw him with Rob Zombie. Oh, really? Yeah, it was on that same day. Now, I, I would guess he probably didn't speak about it on stage, though, huh? No, because, you know, Alice plays a character. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not human on stage, uh, so it, no. He did not discuss it at all. You know, yeah. I watched an Alice Cooper interview the other day, and I, you know, I gotta say, I love Alice Cooper. In no way am I bad mouthing him, but I guess I am by saying he gives horrible interviews. His interviews suck, and then you know when he tries to be funny, and his his lathering of Johnny Depp's ass has got to stop. <laughs> like he talks yeah. about Johnny Depp like he's the next Hendrix. You know, like he's yeah. a great guitar. Johnny Depp doesn't do anything. Johnny Depp looks like a really nice guy. Don't get me wrong. But he yeah. no fucking... Dude, Joe Perry even shows him up, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and Alice Cooper lies a lot. He even lied to me. You know, when I showed him that... When I had him sign my killer... I had the original killer with the calendar. Yeah. The calendar has him hanging and he, and he told me. You see that picture? It was, it was hanging at the White House during the Nixon administration. And I was like, yeah, in my brain. I'm not going to disrespect Alice, but I was like, 
Get the fuck out of here. Why the fuck would Nixon hang that in the White House? You know what I mean? And he talks all this shit about Hendricks and Morrison. And it just sounds so far-fetched, uh, everything he says. And it goes back to what he said Frank Zappa told him. Was when he, he played that Toronto thing and he threw the chickens out. And the people tore to pieces. They blamed Alice for killing chickens on stage. Yeah. When Frank called them about it, Alice said, no, I didn't kill no chicken. He goes, well, don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that lie, because lie. So that's, yeah. I think Alice has just carried that tradition of lying over and over again, on, on which is sad. I mean, Alice, you look at his history uh, photographically, mm -hmm. my God, drinking a beer with Colonel Sanders, hanging yeah. out. Hanging out with uh, Groucho Marx and Bing Crosby. Yeah, Salvador Dali. Yeah, Shit. Salvador Dali, Vincent Price. I mean, the guy hung out. Uh, uh, I just recently saw a picture of him and Keith Moon. They're both on their cars, all drunk and shit. And yeah, John, Lennon. John Yeah, John Lennon and, you know, so on. You know, I mean, he's, he's hung out with legends, man. But I think he just likes to make stories up. And there's not very interesting... Uh, the stories he tells, you know, but whatever. Yeah, I was really, I was disappointed in Super Duper Alice Cooper. Yeah, me too. The, the documentary, man, because I was really hoping for some more insightful shit. And, you know, at least he finally admitted, like, the drug shit, you know, that he denied for years. But, yeah, it, it could have been so much more. But then again, that shit's probably it. You know, just like concert set lists. You know, they're made for the casual people. They're not made for motherfuckers like you and me. You know, I'm hard pressed to find a documentary on somebody that I'm not disappointed in. You know, because nine times out of ten, ninety percent of it I already know. You know, and I always want to learn more. But you think that's boring? Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine this. Russia's Getty Lee announces a UK spoken word tour for December 2023. That's crazy. Now, I love Getty Lee. I love Getty Lee. I love Rush. What's his spoken word tour going to be? Oh, yeah, we were on tour. We played a bunch of really complicated songs, and then I went to the hotel and went to sleep. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's a lot of dirt in... in Getty Lee's life. Well, that's you know what I mean? Even uh, Gene Simmons said it when they were on tour of Rush. Rush would go straight into the room and watch TV while they were banging groupies. You know, mm -hmm. they wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Group. I mean, they put out incredible music, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of insights you're gonna get. You know. Yeah. But hey, fuck it. Have fun. Uh, Cannibal Corpse released a music video for Chaos Horrific. The title Keep track talking, the I'm going to fill my glass. Keep talking. All right. No editing. Uh, yeah, I, I checked it out. I, I got the new album. Well, you know, downloaded it. Uh, it's fucking Cannibal Corpse. Man, and they're coming back again. Uh, I think they, since I moved to Seattle and I'm barely, well, Seattle adjacent. Um, uh, I've been here, what, it'll be a year in October, and I think they've been here like three fucking times, and I'm going to miss them again because they're playing on a fucking school night, and my son can't make it, uh, and I, I, I'm not going to see him alone, you know. I would go to see him, you know, with my son, you know, because he, he digs it. I don't mind him, 
but you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to see it. But well, I uh, I haven't heard the new Cannibal Corpse, but yeah. I do have to take a piss, but I'll be able to hear you. So going to the next story. All right, next story. Oh boy, did this break my heart, but it was about what I expected. Uh, last in line, which is, uh, you know, well, it started out being, you know, the, the original Dio band just without Dio. Uh, but then since the passing of Jimmy Bain, they got Phil Susausen or Sususu, Susudio. I don't know what the fuck. The dude who played with Ozzy during fucking Ultimate Sin. So they got him and Andrew Friedman on vocals. And, you know, I'm thinking it when they're doing the Dio shit, because, you know, I want to hear those songs, you know. But now they're doing, you know, their original shit. They're on their third album, Jericho, which, I again, I think I probably downloaded and never listened to. But they shared a new music video for a song called Not Today, Satan. And, oh, my God, was it... I don't know. To me, it was just a miss on everything first of all the video is fucking horrible the song is nothing to write home about but like the drumming uh i don't know it's just not the hard-hitting shit i'm used to from Vinny. uh the riff from vivian is nothing that you know even holds a candle to what he did on those first three dio albums i mean it but i guess most importantly it didn't have it didn't have that sound. I mean, if you're basing it on, yeah, you know, this is the band, well, you know, you don't have Jimmy Bain, you know, and of course Dio. But you know what I mean? I was hoping it would be songs in, in that vein, in that style of traditional heavy metal. And to me, it just sounded like some modern shit, and it, it just kind of sounded like old guys playing, which I know that seems terrible to say, uh, you know, but it just, I don't know, it just didn't have an energy to it. And, and I hate that when I get disappointed with new music. It's like, you know, these people you love, you want to see it, you want to hear them do something good, and then you're just like, nope, nope. I have yeah. heard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty shitty. I really liked that first album. The second album was very disappointing, and I never really looked into this new one. Yeah. All right. Uh... Oh God! <laughs> now this this is fucking horrible. Leonard Skinner's Johnny Van Zant doesn't rule out a new studio album. Talk about give it fucking up. Give it fucking up. They shouldn't even be touring as Leonard Skinner. I'm sorry. I know everybody's got a fucking you know rent to pay and shit like that. But fuck me. Have some dignity. Let this band die. They've been dying since 1970s fucking seven, you know? Yeah. <laughs> fucking A. Leonard Skinner is, is such a dead horse, fucking Sinkin' Stanley won't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, you've got nobody left. Nobody left. This, this is like, this is foreigner for people with GEDs. <laughs> you know, it's, oh my God. Calling this shit Leonard Skinner. Fucking horrible. Calling it Leonard Skinner after the plane crash was horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'll even give, you know, like the 87 tour and stuff. They still had like yeah. enough people. Well, you know? I, I saw it. That was the only time I ever saw Leonard Skinner being this 
huge Leonard Skinner fan I am, Ollie went to the what I what I what was considered a tribute. Was right. it, it wasn't the reformation of Leonard Skinner. Right, right. It was just supposed to be a tour, one and done, and yeah. uh, and I loved it. But you know, uh, when it came back after it wasn't a one and done, I would not go see Leonard Skinner. It was like I saw it. I I also saw Rostin Collins band. Yeah, had just as many members of Leonard Skinner in it. And they, <laughs> they played Freebird. Yeah, Bill, Bill, uh, Billy, Billy uh, Powell on on piano, Leon Wilkinson on bass, uh, Rostin and Collins. You know, that's the yeah. sound that was in the reunion. I think yeah, the first one had Artemis, but that one did. Yeah, that one did. Yeah. So, um, but Artemis wasn't an original member either. You know. Right true so um well i mean they had a lot of if you think about it i'm not sure if there's maybe two leonard skinner albums when they were really leonard skinner that had the same lineup i don't even know if there is two that had the the, the, the same lineup from album to album well the first two had the same lineup i don't believe so yeah Pronouncing Second Helping is the same lineup. Bob Burns on it. was the first, the first was nothing fancy. That's when Artemis came in. And then okay. Get Back My Bullets and King left. And there were two guitar bands. Yeah. And, and you know, one more for the road and Street. And then they got Steve Gaines. Steve Gaines. Yeah. You know, but yeah. and the background. But yeah, yeah, the first two albums were the same. Okay. Alright. Well fuck me. All right, well, here's hoping for another fucking Titanic. Creed's second 2024 cruise is another sellout. What? What cruise? Creed. The band Creed, the arms wide oh, yeah. open motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Could you imagine a boatload, a boatload full of Creed fans? Please say this shit's going through the Bermuda Triangle. That, that, that's that, that's how bad rock is now. People get excited about a Creed reunion. Well, I think it's smart. Creed does the, the, the cruise route. Yeah. It's, that's a lot of money you make on this cruise. Thing, you know? Right. Each cabin's a couple grand, you know? So, if they get a bulk of that money, that's, uh, that's they probably make more than that than a reunion tour. You know, cause, uh, oh, no, I, I get it, but, but just think about the lamest fucking people, you know? And, and some of these cruises have cool lineups, but man, for, for most people, for, for most fans, these cruises are so unattainable and unaffordable, especially in these days. So what you're going to get by and large is a bunch of lame, rich white motherfuckers that know the radio songs you know what i mean you i mean you're already creed so you're gonna have a lame fucking audience but i don't know how many of these cruises like oh i'd love to go on that and i look at the prices i'm like fuck i mean well even you you went on one but you were given you know your ticket no 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 i i never got on a cruise for free but the motor cruise i got on for 600 bucks very cheap somebody had to get rid of the ticket 
But the first, uh, the 70 tons of metal I paid full price, which was almost a grand. I'm talking about way back in 2012. It's yeah. much more expensive now. And I absolutely loved both cruises. It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. But it was Motorhead. And, yeah. And, and 70 Tons was Venom and Annihilator. You know, it's like good band. Not these garbage, garbage cookie cutter Mark Allen Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> shit he likes, you know. That's that's the type of shit he likes. You know? <laughs> I guarantee that guy likes Creed. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't give a fuck if you end up saying, well, I liked only one album. He still liked it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Uh, you know, a lot of these things, you know, when I lived in the South, you know, because the South pays fucking horseshit, I could never afford to go on these cruises. Now that I'm, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and, and make great money, still, now I got to, not only would I have to pay for the fucking cruise, but I would have to fly all the way to fucking Florida for here to go on the motherfucker. So I still can't afford these fucking cruises. You know? I but, love it. Yeah, and the thing I love about these cruises that leave Miami, we get the pre-show at the casino. Mm -hmm. And and the the pre-show is really made for people that are on the boat. And they only have a right. limited amount of tickets for people like me. So right. I always go there early. You know, I saw a lot of good shit. I was blown away by Winger. I'm not a oh, yeah. fan. But I saw Winger Live, they blew my fucking, they blew my brains, man. Last in line, I saw live, I saw a lot of Tom Kiefer. He was really good, Tom Kiefer. Yeah. Um, I always see a lot of amazing shows, that, like these pre-crew shows that happen around you. Some yeah, really I, go good to all of them. I go to all of them. And right on. I understand there's another cruise leaving from here soon, so we're going to get another one of those kick-ass casino shows. All right, well, your turn to talk, because i got to go to the bathroom. Well, right give back. me a new story. Uh, let's see here. I'll talk about it. Um, God damn it, I'm gonna shit myself. Pantera pulled out of Aftershock Festival. All what right. do you think about that? All, All right. right, bye. Pantera pulled out of Aftershock. I actually did read this. And they apologized. They really wanted to do it, but some, some problems. And they said they're gonna do the next year's Aftershock Festival. Um, Pantera, you know, I mean, I'd go see it. If it came my way and it was reasonably priced, I'd go see it and I'd walk out the door saying, I just saw Charlie Benante, Zach Wilde, Rex, and Phil do Pantera song. I didn't see Pantera. You know what I mean? There's no Pantera without it. But I'm not one of these that would dismiss it because I look at it as a tribute. There's I mean, if they were to make new music, that would be disgraceful. Because Zach is no dime back. Shit, Zach ain't no Jakey Lee either. Let me tell you. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame they pulled out. You know, normally I wouldn't be up for these type of reunions. But I'd go see it. But it'd have to be reasonably priced. I'm not going to pay a lot to see Zach Wilde be dime bag. You know? I'm just not. It's not, especially from a guy that's seen Cowboys from Hell, Vulgar Display of uh, Power, um, Far Beyond Driven twice, uh, the Great Great Southern Train Kill I saw, and, and, and 
Reinvented the Steel I saw twice. I saw Pantera, man. That anything without Dime and Vinny, it's not Pantera, but I'll go see it. For shits and giggles. And that's what I think about that, Ian. Okay, then. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, now, this made me laugh. And I gotta admit, I, I'm happy about this, but it's purely the hater in me. I can't lie, I'm being a little hater bitch. But <laughs> Striper plans to return to pop metal sound on a few songs on the next studio album. <laughs> to me, that's, that's Striper being Striper. I know you've been excited about, you know, I, I don't think you were too fond of the last album, but before that, they had a string of albums where you felt like they were really heavy in some of the best of Striper's career. Yeah, because, guess, it, had, yeah, because it had no pop metal on it. <laughs> yeah, but now they're going to go back to that tried and true honesty shit that people knew and loved in the 80s. Not a fan. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious about, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's what happens when your bass player's from Firehouse. Or maybe, you know, maybe you are the exception to their usual fans who want more of that. Maybe they got too metal for a lot of those Bible-thumping fuckers that go to that shit. What Probably. do you think? Probably, you know, I mean, it, 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 it was depressing. I, you know, listening to the last time, I was like, these guys need to take a break. They're shitting out too many albums too quick. It's like Black Label. You know, you yeah. shit out too many albums, you're gonna lose quality. And finally, mm -hmm. they, they lost quality on that last album, and they're jumping right in to do another one. I'm like, you know, take take a break. I liked, I like. Oh, by the way, I liked Sweet and Lynch last album. Oh, I know you hated the second one. Oh, the second one sucked. The le the new one, I think, is even better than the first. It's oh wow, okay. I thought it was really good. Why? That was a good ass break they took between. That second album and this one, it took some time, man. So yeah, I thought it was pretty badass. True. Well, here, here's an interesting thing to, to ponder on. Um, you know, we, we say that a lot now with some of these legacy bands that we like. Um, they're putting out too many albums. Not taking long enough break. You see the quality suffer. But that being said, in the 70s, you know, you have, you know, a band like KISS arguably putting out their best music and putting out two albums a year. Do you think that's because of youth and momentum and fire? Like, how come these bands, when they were younger, you you know, Van Halen, album every year, every year, every year, you know, and you had none of these issues. But with these bands, you know, and, and even uh, Zach Wilde, by the time he was doing Black Label Society, you know, he was a little long in the tooth. Why do you think in the past you could maintain that quality at a rapid pace, but nowadays you can't? I just think I just think it's a little too much, a little too soon. You know, I I I like to order the blocks from Black Label because they took a long break. Right. But after that, they haven't taken breaks, and all their albums to me it sucks. I haven't gotten yeah. any of these latest Black Label. But but what I'm getting at though is why do you think in the past bands could do that and not suffer where nowadays they do? Do you think it as a musician gets older, do you think they run out of ideas yeah. or yeah. I, think, I think the youth was their 
you know, no. saving grace. When they were young, they were hungry, and and they released some quality shit, you know, one after the other. But you know, as time goes by, you know, you release such great stuff that you can't top it, and that's yeah. the problem that you know. And I'm hoping, you know, uh, but you know, Striper, Striper's already running into in to do another album, which is a mistake and even a bigger mistake. They're gonna add pop metal to the new album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things I'm torn on uh, because there's the, the fantasy of what you want, then there's the reality. You know, I, I'm upset that Quentin Tarantino says this last movie is going to be his last, or his next movie is going to be his last. And he says he doesn't want that to happen to him. You know, he wants to go out on a high note. And I kind of respect that, but at the same time, I'm like, well, fuck, if you ain't making movies, who's going to make fucking good movies anymore? And, uh, but yeah, I don't want Quentin Tarantino movies that are just like everything else or not up to that same standard. So it, it, it is hard, you know. I, I want these fans that I love to put out something I like as much as the old shit, but they just don't. And I just don't know. Is it is it me not being able like, people love this new Maiden shit, and I can't stand it. And I don't know, am I the problem or are they the problem? You know, and people are just being cheap and, you know, because I, I look back at the 80s Maiden. I love that fucking shit. I love it. I, I try listening to the new shit, and I just find it to be garbage. You know, but there's other people, oh, oh, this proves they're still relevant. Shit Sitsu's the best thing they've done since the last piece of shit they've done, you know. I, I, yeah. I said a million times. I like the long, well, two of the long songs on the album, and that's it. I don't like the rest of it. Well, one thing I'm going to check out, but I'm not too hopeful for, is Iron Maiden's Bruce Dickinson announced he has a new solo project coming out called the Mandrake Project. I have more. I have more faith in that than Iron Maiden. I kind of do. Well, well, here's the thing, you know. Uh, I saw, I think you did a, a track by track album battle, something with Chemical Wedding recently. Yeah. You know, and I just think back to, God damn, is Chemical Wedding such a good record? It is. You know, and a lot of people always talk about Accident of Birth and, and Chemical Wedding, you know, because well, both of them feature Adrian Smith. But I remember when Accident of Birth came out, I didn't get it because I was so put off by the solo shit that had come before it, I didn't even give it a chance. And it came out of the day, you know, day and age when you couldn't download it, you know, right away. So I'm like, ah, I'm not spending my hard-earned money on that shit because I think the last, at that point, the last Bruce thing I'd heard was that uh, horrible second of that boss to Picasso, which I, I, I thought was terrible. Yeah. But man, but man, Chemical Wedding was so strong. But then he put out another one a few years later, uh, Circle of Type. Circle of Tyrants. Book, or I think it was Book of Theo. Something. No, it's something Tyrants. I know I know that. But anyway, uh, I kind of gave it a half-ass listen to, but just nothing caught me. You know, it didn't it didn't have that heaviness and epicness of Chemical Wedding. So I, I, I don't know what this is going to be like, but what deters me from it is like, you know, Empire of the Clouds was his fucking idea. Okay. That's where his fucking head's at. So if that's where you're at now, if it's gonna be more fucking progressive fucking bullshit, I don't give a you know, you know. And progressive isn't even progressive anymore, it's just boring. 
it's it's like being too old to know when to stop you know this the fucking song and everything in general but he is working again with roy z and you know i think roy z there's certain albums that roy z participates in that i love a lot and some of them kind of like eh uh you know but he did some great shit with bruce he did some great shit with hawford uh you know because i i think the first hawford album resurrection was fucking great and i like crucible they were both i thought crucible was awesome yeah, but then he that that made for metal one with the race car on the oh, top. Yeah, yeah that, that shit was terrible. So. But the priest down he did was awesome. Mm. Angel Retribution. Oh, Angel, yeah. I'll, I'm surprised about that. You and me really like that, and I know a lot of people that don't care for it. Bill Wayne didn't care for it. And I think that's you know aside from Lockness, I think it's a great priest album and what a great comeback. And, uh, I, I love the the variety that's on that album. A lot of different shit, and, which is the trademark of a lot of Priest albums. So yeah, no, Roy Z can do some really good shit. I'll give it a chance. I, again, I hope it's good. I don't want to come on here and say it's fucking terrible. When Maiden puts out a new album, I don't want to come on here and say it sucks. I want to say, well, they proved me wrong. You know, this shit's fucking incredible. But we'll see. All right. What else we got here? Uh, demo versions of Winger's biggest hits included on box set of 88 to 93 albums. Okay, so the uh, uh, Atlantic Records ones are putting it. The, the first one, the second one, pulled. Well, that last, that last Winger album is awesome. I love it. And I, I still need to listen to that. I still I need love to listen to that. Album. It. it rips. Especially that last song on there. I know it's got to be good if you like it. It's awesome, and I'm not a winner guy. <laughs> uh, new Motley Crue songs are so good. Everybody's just killing it. Uh, let me see. This quote's got to be from fucking Nikki Six. Oh, no, John Five had the balls to say that. Yeah, I believe everybody's killing it. <laughs> I think Vince, Vince Neil's vocals are killing the song. <laughs> I think Nikki's six songwritings are killing the song. And, and probably the, the rap in the middle from Tommy Lee is killing the song. And the bass playing from Bob Rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is something, well, yeah, just like, you know, we, we talked about an A story, and you, you know, there's stuff you know that you can't tell yet. Uh, there's something I know about Motley Crue that I think is going to get released probably this week that's going to blow some people's minds. That I'm privy to. Uh, actually, because I, I feel like I encourage this, because I talked to, he goes by the real Nikki Six on Facebook, so I'm assuming it's the real Nikki Six. But I told him, why in the fuck do you have John Five in the band? Why are you paying him? You play to a fucking tape anyway. Why are you paying this guy to play air guitar? Just go out there as a fucking three piece. That's more money. For the three of you, you can buy fake heroin and write fake heroin diaries and shit like that. I think I got through to him. So I think from now on, you're going to see Motley Crue as a three piece and make more money. Besides, besides, Vince can already play guitar. I mean, you guys seen, you know, uh, Don't Go Away Mad. You know, he's ripping on that shit. Always out there with the guitar. What do you need John Five for? Save your money. 
Which, by the way, today is the 40th anniversary of Shot of the Devil. Oh, okay. It was at least 40 years old. And for those that are interested to hear uh, what we got to say about Shot of the Devil, we'll be the next Almost Human Live. We're going to discuss the album Shot of the Devil. Nice. This Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Nice. I will be there. So, yeah, so when Molly Crew goes down to the third piece, remember, you heard it here first. Uh, yeah, so. oh, enough, uh, they're down to a three piece, but Vince just ordered a 10 piece. <laughs> True story. Uh, here's something that blows my mind like, why? Why, 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 why? Uh, first of all, I thought it was stupid when I got the album, but uh, Queensryche, you know, recorded a, a cover version of Billy Idol's Rebel Yell for their oh. last album. Which I thought was a great fucking Queensryche album. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's the best one they did with Todd. Yeah, yeah, by by far. And I was like, okay, you guys are doing. But why is this shit tacked on? I mean, I can see if it's like the Japanese bonus track. You know, everybody does that shit. You know. But now they put out a video for it. I didn't. I didn't even watch it because I've heard their version. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch either because the same reason I've heard it. Okay, first of all, why would Queensrÿche do Billy Idol? I, I like Billy Idol. Why would Queensrÿche do it? And I heard it, and it's not good. You know, it's I not. Like the, I don't even like the original version. Yeah, I, I, I love it, but I never need to hear it again. But why waste? I, I just don't understand this as, a, as you know the decision process. Okay, you're already fucking playing casinos and opening up for people. So I'm sure the money's not great. Why are you wasting money on this cover? You know, it would have been much better spent. How about make another video for one of the quality songs that is your song? You know, I, I, I just it, it just seems like a stupid, stupid decision all the way around. Uh, uh, who, who's managing these fucks? I don't know. Queensryche, yeah, Queensryche is a funny thing going on now. They, they're they really part of the, you know, um, festival package or club shows. They're kind of stuck in a rut. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just like they were with Jeff, with Jeff Tate toward the end. You know, maybe fans are more, including me, all right, we like the direction Todd's taking more. You know, but it's still at the same level of popularity as when they had Jeff in the band. And as much as I like that last Queensryche album, it still doesn't touch anything from Mind Climb down. I mean, to right. me, that the, those albums can be better, but they can't be better with Todd Dell's Ah, that's how I all right. Well, Vivian Campbell says Ronnie James Dio initially had no interest in doing the Hearnade project, uh, which is something I've heard for years. Well, uh, Ronnie even said it. Ronnie really? admitted. Ronnie admitted it. Ronnie said it was a brainchild of Vivian Campbell, and Vivian and, J J and gave them full credit on that whole video. <laughs> I think it, I think it was uh, Vivian and Jimmy. Uh, yeah, you may be right. Yeah. But uh, he went on to say that that was a very uh, dark time in the Dio band, the the Sacred Heart era, because I guess that's when 
Wendy and Ronnie broke up. Um, so you got that drama. He's going, you know, going through a divorce and stuff like that. Even though I don't know, I don't know if they ever actually got divorced or they just split up. I mean, I know she stayed managing them, but they weren't, you know, a couple. But, um, you know, not only that, but, you know, this was the time when the other members were supposed to start getting paid more by Ronnie, and that didn't happen. And, you know, Vivian was the one with the chutzpah to, uh, you know, say, well, fuck it, pay me or I'm gone. So, and, and you, can, you can hear that in, in Sacred Heart. I mean, even though it, there's something special for it, special about it to me because it was my first Dio, but man, you go back and listen to those first two and then you go to Sacred Heart, you can kind of see like, okay, there now there's an album where they should have waited a little bit. <laughs> you know, it sounds like half cooked and rehashed and shit, but he said, yeah, around that time, nobody in the band wanted to be about around Ronnie. It was just a, a very miserable, dark time. Vivian, understandable. Vivian has said that when the first two albums were recorded, they were so enthusiastic, they wouldn't leave the studio. Well, when they were recording Sacred Heart, they were like, am I done? Can I go now? They weren't into it. Yeah. And it shows. To me, it shows. That album's piss poor. It's a piss poor yeah. album. Too much keyboards drowning out Vivian and shit. You know, Vivian gets a bad rap. Well, I guess he deserves it. Because there was a time, you know, when Ronnie was alive and he was with Def Leppard, bad mouth is a deal here. You know, right. he's then come around. And, you know, wow, this shit is good. You know, he he owns up to it now. He's playing it, but still, you know, there's that. But even before all the bad mouthing, he got fucked up. Come on, let's be honest. Oh yeah, it, it oh, was. Yeah. He did not quit the deal, man. They fired him because he spoke up saying, "Ronnie, you promised us money on the third album. Where is it?" They yeah. fired him. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, when it came to Dio and Campbell, uh, you know, Campbell said many times, I didn't want to leave that band. I love that band. I didn't want to leave it. But they fucked. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love Dream Evil, Martin Popoff's favorite. Yeah. Dream. But come on, man. it's no cold guy. Yeah, I, I love it too, but that's, I think that's the only thing with uh, Craig Goldie that I like. Uh, but I, I just the, the songwriting to me is just a huge step up from from Sacred Heart, and I don't put that on uh, on Vivian. I put it on Dio, you know. But there you go. ACDC's Brian Johnson is all excited and fired up about Power Trip concert, and uh, I haven't got to see it yet. But I saw that you uh, you made a video about Phil Rudd. Has there been any new any new light shed on that to why he's not there? Has anything been officially announced? It's all speculation, but one website claims, and it sounds like it's real, that mm. Phil's not playing here because of Eva Bob. Because of all the legal... I, I have heard that. Yeah, but then I've also heard people say, well, he can't play anymore. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff. Well... I, I would I would believe either one, you know. I mean, there's there's so much shit when it comes to Phil Rudd. Uh, yes, it could be the visa issues, um, and and look at his age. And we all know drummers are the first ones to go, man. 
It's just, it's just so physical. Yeah, you know, look at all these bands, man. It's it's the drummer that gets cut out right away. Because that is some physical fucking shit. And you think of Phil Rudd's playing, you know, I, I think you and I respect it, and a lot of other people respect it, but, I mean, there is a hard-hitting and preciseness to his drumming that, you know, you're not going to get out of fucking Simon Wright or Chris Slade or anybody else that they got. You know, it never had that Phil Rudd sound. And to me, it's almost like a fucking... Like, like what Marky Ramone said. Try play, playing this shit. You listen to it, you think it's simple. Try playing this shit song after song. Uh, you know? And I, I think he's very... He, he doesn't get half the fucking credit he deserves for his drumming. But there's also, you know... And I hope this isn't it, but, you know... Is he falling off the wagon with the meth shit again? You know, and that's the whole reason with the visa shit is all the, the shit you got into. You know, and, and if you combine that with his age and maybe drumming ability, uh, who knows? And who knows if we'll ever get the fucking, um, you know, the, the full story. But it, yeah, it's a shame. ACDC's infamous of not saying anything. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and Van Hill. Yeah. So it, it just, it saddens me as an ACDC fan, you know, and uh, I was so glad that, you know, I got to see him with Phil Rudd, you know, I was so happy, you know, when he was back on the Ball Breaker tour, you know, because I saw him with Chris Slade and it, it was a great show, don't get me wrong, but Ball Breaker was better. That, that was a better, better fucking tour, better album too. All right. Uh, will Ted Nugent finally get inducted now that Jan Winter is no longer involved with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I say be, no. That would be great if he did. Yeah. I, I, I still think he won't, and he doesn't help his case. Uh, does he deserve it? I think so. I think so. Of course he um, I mean, when you, when you look at what's seriously supposed to be the criteria that they set up to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things is your influence and your impact. And that cannot be underestimated with Ted, regardless of what you think about him and his politics. Uh, not only did he do incredible work, but he inspired so many people. That's what, I got no problem, like whatever I think of fucking Ace Fraley, you know, and, and his abilities. He definitely deserves to be in there. Look how many motherfuckers were influenced by him, you know? And, and that's an important criteria, whether you want to say skills and stuff like that. And and Ted has both. Ted has the fucking skills, the influence, and everything else. And it sucks. I'm against him a thousand percent on almost everything he says. But that, that, that's not what the Hall of Fame's about. It's about his music. And yeah, he should be in there. Yeah. But I still, I still doubt it, though. I don't think he'll get in. Well, that's where you're wrong. It's not about that. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is prejudice. It is about what Ted says. That's why he's not in there. He's not. It, no. do it. They won't allow him in because of his, his attitude and his political beliefs. That's why he's not in there. Right. No, I agree. with. But what I'm saying that, that I mean, you can look it up. There's actually like a written criteria of what's supposed to be what gets you in. And and he checks all those boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know? of course, so. they're hypocrites. Right. No, I agree. All right. Well, Adrian Vandenberg says he had nothing to do with Vivian Campbell getting fired from Whitesnake. 
And uh, yeah, interesting thing, because I, I, that's something I've never heard a lot about, you know? And I was surprised that Whitesnake didn't keep him, because, I mean, he was a name at that time, uh, you know, coming from Dio and stuff like that. Like, why wouldn't they keep him? Uh, but in recent interviews, they said it had a lot to do with his attitude and his wife at the time, who he's now divorced from. But I guess he brought his wife out on the road. That caused a lot of shit. And then the fact that um, David Coverdale chose to write the next album with Vandenberg more than than Vivian Campbell wanted to use his ideas. And I can kind of see that, you know, because, I mean, Dio's way more metal than Whitesnake. And I can see Vandenberg's, like, you know, guitar style being much more in vain with... Um, with what Dave's comfortable with, but at the same time, I think especially back then, Campbell could have done for him what John Sykes did, you know? So, I think it was a total mistake. They should have kept him, and that would have kept him out of the band we're going to talk about later, Death Leopard, <laughs> which would have been nice. But, uh, what, what do you think, why, why do you think he was ousted? Oh, that I don't know. I mean, maybe... Yeah. Steve I was on deck, and they thought if we bring Steve I in, it'll be more. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think at the time that was. I could I be really, wrong. Yeah, I don't know why Vivian was kicked out of Whitesnake. I have no idea. All right. Well, here's something I watched some uh, some uh, pro shot video of that I thought was pretty fucking good, and I know I'm, I'm biased because I'm friends with. Uh, I'm Facebook friends, and we've talked online, but we haven't met in person. Uh, but Forbidden has a new lineup, uh, a new singer. My friend Chris Contos is, is their drummer, who I think is amazing. Uh, but I watched video of them performing at the Alcatraz Festival in, uh, in Belgium. I thought it was really good. And I was a little hesitant because, you know, the dude from... Uh, the original singer from Forbidden had a very distinct voice. Uh, so I'm like, eh, I, I don't know how this is going to be. And, and now I think they're down to what, just the, the one original guitar player from Forbidden. But uh, I was pretty fucking happy. Did you watch the footage of that at all? Nope. But I did see the singer sing Childs of Blood with uh, a local band or somebody. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. And yeah, he's good. Up, yeah, I ended up interviewing Craig on my podcast. And oh, nice. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm interested. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like another one of these goddamn dudes. No, no rust and forbidden dude. Yeah, no, it, it is, it is hard, man. He was a big part of that. But you I know, it, you get, look, Ray, Razor. Awesome. Yeah. Canada. They yeah. just canceled a bunch of shows in Europe because of the same bullshit Flotsam is going through. Get Flotsam yeah. and Jetsam, Razor, and Forbidden to tour America. Bet you it'll do better. I don't think so. I, it will. Guarantee. Guarantee it'll do better. No, I, I mean, I, I would go. I would go. But, I, I mean, I, I think really you need more... You need another linchpin band for that, you know, even, you know, I, I know you're not a big fan, but, you know, you, you need an Anthrax or an Overkill and then add those bands. I think you would do 
much better. I mean, all you know, all the bands you just mentioned have our respect. But again, you got to unfortunately you have to think of the masses. I mean, you know, fucking, you know, Razor Flotsam and, and Forbidden, yeah, fucking a, sign me up. But how many, how many of us are out there? A lot. To ones? A lot. Yeah. A lot to fill clubs. A lot. Because Razor, well, I, I, Razor is not a band that's whore. Okay. Right. And there's so many people that love Razor that would flock to see that. Yeah. Forbidden and Flotsam. I'm not talking to like, you know, yeah, Testament here, like a bigger venue. No, I'm talking about club shows. Get these bands, yeah. the street bands to play clubs. It'll pack the club, trust me. Mostly because of Razor, really. I, I, I would love to see it. No, I think it's a, it's a great idea. You know, I just, you know, I wish there was more people like us. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's more, uh, you know, Mark Allen Taylors. <laughs> no exactly. thanks, Mark. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but, but there's more of those that are going to go to shows than, than people like us. And then I, I think the reality, uh, you know, even somebody in, in my case, it's hard for me to make it uh, on a weekday show, you know? But but the reality of touring, you know, like some other bands can afford to fly in for these weekend shows, but a lot of the shows I want to see are during the week, you know? And it's like, you know, my, my son's up at four in the morning, so he's like, oh, it's during the week, fuck it, you know? And then I'm like, oh, do I want to drive an hour to go see a show by myself? And at my age, a lot of times I don't, even though I really want to see the show. But if it was on a weekend, I'd be there in a fucking heartbeat, you know? So it, it, it sucks. It sucks. But when you're younger, you don't care about shit like that, you know? When I was in my 20s, I don't give a fuck what day of the week the show is. I'm there. And I would go to work fucking, you know, hungover. And, you know. Can you hear me? Yes. Ah shit! Hold on a second. All right, we're we're having technical difficulty. Ian probably can't hear me. Can you hear me now? <sighs> you can't hear me, you son of a bitch. Sorry, I can't hear you. What a bummer! All right, we're gonna have to turn it off and turn it on. Again. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm working on it now. I can hear you because. Right. Just give me a second. I'm going to give him a second, everybody. <laughs> ah, shit. Okay, I might need more than a second. Anyways, as I was saying... All right. There we go. You can hear me? Yeah. Right on. Next story. So, um... Uh, okay. All right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anything worth mentioning? Um... Glenn Hughes says he's working on a solo album for 2024. I wonder if maybe maybe he will be with that and not uh, Black Country. I know Black Country is working on a on a new album, but uh, I really enjoyed his last studio album that resonated that came out. It was awesome. Yeah, re really strong, man. Really strong. So, um, yeah. Uh, there's the Kick Show. We mentioned that on your live stream which I'm sure anybody who's watching this saw that, but it's, I thought that was a really cool way for that band to go out, you know? 
uh, band that never made it that big, but goddamn, did they have a fucking awesome, you know, bowing out, you know, and the place was packed, sold out. Tony Dio went there, you know, it's it's amazing. They sold out a fucking amphitheater, man. I think that's fucking killer. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's see. I think we're about ready to get into the album. Let's do this. All right, fuck it. All right. So, uh, this one, you know, I, I kind of threw to you, uh, because originally we planned on doing, uh, one of our Patreon things this weekend and that fell through. So then we want to do one of the fan paid episodes, but our remaining fan paid episodes are with guests and we couldn't make that work for this weekend. So I said, you know, let's build on this Judas Priest episode we just did that, that did very well. People were very excited about it. I'm like, let's do something, you know, let's do one of those easy episodes, a big album that gets everybody talking about because I want to, you know, build momentum back up. We took a little bit of a break, build this momentum up before, you know, we go into the Patreon and want to take all your fucking money. You know, we're going to give you some big bang episodes uh, to lead into that. And surprisingly, this is one we didn't do. And, uh, wow, I, I, I'm surprised, but, you know, what a major fucking album. And, and something we both know and love, and I know it like the back of my hand, and I still listened to it like three times before we recorded this, and enjoyed it. Enjoyed it very much. This will be, by the way, the very last Def Leppard review, because we're not taking, <laughs> we're not taking donations anymore. Yeah. We already we already did on through the night and high and dry. Mm -hmm. Like the only other Def Leppard album that matters. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we did hysteria, but we were paid by Mr. T to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But but uh, yeah, yeah th this is just a huge album and a, and a huge part of my childhood. I mean, I have very vivid memories of when this came out and the impact it had on me and the foundations that it, um, you know, laid for, you know, me later becoming a metalhead. Uh, but at the time this came out, I didn't even see it as metal. It's just, it's what I heard on the radio because that's the way radio was back then. I mean, it's what I saw, you know, on video shows. I still didn't have MTV, but we had daily video shows and, and this was just popular music back then but laid the foundations for me to get into much heavier shit later but Ralph when this came out you were already a Def Leppard fan correct and you'd, you'd already seen them? I was a huge Def Leppard fan and I saw them open for Ozzy on the High and Dry tour uh, in 1980 the album I listened to the most was On Through the Night I was fanatical about that album High and Dry came out, I got fanatical about that album, and I was <laughs> very, very looking forward to this album. This album delayed a lot. Um, I remember it took forever to come. I think it came out like in January of 83. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, January of 83. Now you gotta remember, High and Dry was 81. So you expect right. it in 82 in those years. And, right. and, but I kept reading about it. And I read that Pete Rose was out and that he played on the record and and blah, blah, blah. And then um, when it finally came out, it blew my socks off. Now, one thing about this album was all my Def Leppard buddies, well, not all of them, but a couple of them, 
hated it. Really? You know why they hated it? Because it was so popular. You know, it Def Leppard wasn't our band anymore. You know, like D Snyder had this thing called the Diamond in the Pocket. Diamond in the Pocket is like, oh, like like uh, when I knew when I knew uh, Metallica. You know, before no. Right. And then when they and then they get, they take that diamond out of your pocket and they put it on a display where everybody's in front of you looking at the diamond, but you had that shit in your pocket. Same thing with Def Leppard. Now, there were, I know there were a few people, man, that loved Def Leppard, hated Pyromania because it sold millions. You know, it's just, I, I know it's a stupid way of thinking. Oh, it's popular, I can't like it now. You know what I mean? I love yeah. the stuff and I never get sick of it. Today, I listen to it, I'm hurting a little bit. And I enjoyed even the songs I'm not even too fond of on this album. I enjoyed it more than I did before. I think this yeah. is a great album. To me, this album is like Star Wars meets music. <laughs> no, I, I get that. And, you know, it's kind of funny what you say about people who said uh, you know, they didn't like it because it was popular. And as stupid as that sounds, I mean, there are things like that when you're younger that can affect your you know approval or disapproval because like i did the same thing like i look back now you always make fun of me about how i was if something was on an independent label i thought it automatically sucked and that's stupid like kid shit you know now now i see it as a badge of honor I, i'm more likely to like something that's on an independent label me you too. know back then you, you know you've got you've got weird things and, and, and weird hang-ups but this was because I wasn't into metal at this time, I was into what's on the radio. What I saw on the, the video shows. There was there was a channel in the Chicago area um, that was basically what would become uh, like a, a CW type channel. And you know, it, it's harder I think for kids to imagine now, like days when there wasn't like 300 different channels to choose from. But in most markets, you had. Uh, you know, your CBS, NBC, ABC, and then, you know, you had independent stations. Like, I remember, you know, before there was a Fox network, it was an independent station. Uh, but there was another one called Channel 50 in Chicago, and they had this show called Video 50. And I would rush home from school to watch these videos so excited because we didn't have MTV until 1984. But I was, you know, from a very early age, all about music, but it was what I either saw on the video shows or what I heard on the radio. But when this came out, this was mixed in. This was played on radio stations and, and video shows. And uh, I didn't look at it as metal or anything like that. It was just music, you know? And I, I think that was a healthy way to look at music and probably why my, my taste is so, so different because you know, nowadays everything's segregated more, and back then it's just you know I would they would show this video and then you'd see fucking Commodores, you know, and it, and you liked it all. But uh, as somebody who never you know I wasn't buying magazines, I was like in you know second third grade and shit. Was there a buzz about Death Leopard before? I mean, I know you say this took them into the stratosphere, but. Were there a lot of people that knew On Through the Night uh, and probably more so high and dry, but I mean, was there a buzz in the metal community back then? Well, there was a buzz in the community period because MTV played the fuck out of bringing on the hardware. 
before played, before Pyromania. Before Pyromania, they played. Okay. They would play "Let It Go" in high and dry videos now and then, but "Bringing On the Heartbreak" was played a lot. And I believe I could be wrong, but I believe high and dry went gold before Pyromania okay. came out, or right around the same time. But, you know, I mean, I was big into Def Leppard, but I remember high and dry. I mean, "Bringing On the Heartbreak" was played to death. And it built, it built, you know, it built like a momentum for Pyromania. And as far as I as I remember, it was an instant hit. Right when they released po- Photograph as a video, it was huge. Right, right away. Oh, yeah. Right away. It was huge. And yeah. Um, yeah, and the only thing stopping that from being number one was Michael Jackson Thriller. Well, and and the funny thing, this is another one of those, both this, and I talked about this before, both this and Quiet Riot Metal Health, I ended up buying because I went to Sears, because you used to go to Sears and you could buy music and shit, just like, that's where you used to go to buy um, tickets, concert tickets and shit, Ticketron. I saw somebody made a Ticketron post the other day, I was like, fuck yeah, I remember camping outside of fucking Sears by the auto department to wait in line to get Who tickets in 89. But anyway, uh, so I went to get Thriller, and it was sold out. I mean, that people today that weren't there have no idea what a phenomenon Thriller was, and and you know it sold so many fucking records. You know, now now that you couldn't imagine going to a record store and something being sold out. <laughs> you know, well you could just go on Amazon or whatever. You know, but back then, yeah, shit would happen. So anyway, I ended up getting this because I couldn't get Thriller. But I was more than happy to have it because uh, I love these songs that I heard on the radio that I saw the videos for. Um, you know, back then I used to take a boombox with me to school and on recess I could play my boombox and it was like, you know, I was playing Thriller and this and, you know, Metal Health and Paul and Oates and all this fucking shit, you know. I was a kid always had the music at, at, at fucking recess. Um, but this was huge, and, and I actually, before, when I really got into metal, you know, I started buying Hit Parader, but even around this time, I started buying Circus Magazine, you know, and I, I would cut out, I, I have some pictures, I had this horrible wallpaper, <laughs> like kids' wallpaper in my room at the time, but I, I would cut out all these pictures from Circus Magazine and put them up, and it'd be like, one picture of Death Leopard, and the other one would be fucking John Cougar, <laughs> you know, just... Like, whatever was popular at the fucking time. But, uh, this was just incredible, man. And, and I still think it sounds good. You can see where they were going to go, but I think it still works on this album, you know. But there's definitely more, even though, you know, the previous album, High and Dry, was produced by Mutt Lang. Uh, Mutt Lang is much more in control on this record and um, a lot more input and also look at the songwriting because I had to go back and look um, you know because he's involved in almost every song on this album and I was like well was he involved in the songwriting high and dry and he wasn't but you know from here you know and then you get into hysteria much more but this is much more produced uh, than high and dry I, I, I mean the, the vocal trackings on this all the bells and whistles and, you know, a friend of ours, Martin Popoff, he doesn't like this album. 
because he says it's too too much, too polished. Uh, too much of the grit was taken away. And I kind of see what he's saying, but at the same time, it's almost like 80s perfection as far as producing. I think this took metal into the 80s. You know, or hard rock. Really, you know, this is like an 80, you know, there's nothing 70s sounding about this. You know, and, and, and shit that came before it, uh, you know, you could still hear that 70s sound in, in Van Halen and, and even, you know, to a lesser extent in Quiet Riot and stuff like that. But this is like 80s production, you know, all the bells and whistles and uh, yeah, just killer fucking album. But th this is the last gasp. That's for goddamn sure. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, you think. Come on, it's common knowledge, man. Anybody that likes Nine Arm Def Leppard's a fool. For that, you're fu 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 fooling yourself if you think it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also, I remember one one hater told me, "Uh, stupid album cover. It's too cartoony." Oh, I love this album cover. I do too. I, I was like, "That's an awesome album cover, man." I don't know. I, I you know, and I, I never suffered that. Oh, this band's too big. I can't like them anymore. I I never suffered. Mm -hmm. uh, I I was always on the on the other end, very proud. You know, it was it was 1985. The band Loudness was the first prediction I got wrong. I predicted Def Leppard being huge. I predicted Maiden. I predicted <laughs> Quiet Rock. I predicted all this stuff to be big, and I was always right on the money. A Loudness game. And Thunder in the East, I was like, this is going to be the next big thing. That shit, I don't think even went gold. Yeah. I was, that way, I was that way with Rock's gang. Didn't pan out. <laughs> but you did get Scritty Politti right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah. another thing I love about this, and I, you know, you talk about the album cover. Uh, you know, I know you'll know this and, and people our age, but remember when you used to go to like the fair? You know, it was a big thing when the, when the fair carnival would come to town. And they'd have all those games where, you know, you throw a dart at a balloon and you'd get those little mirrors. Well, I had the mirror of Pyromania and, you know, got it as a kid, you know, probably nine, ten years old. And I always kept it. I always loved it. And then, of course, you know, when I became a misspent youth, that was my Coke mirror for years. And when it cracked, I was heartbroken because where do you replace that? You know, I, I don't think, I mean... The funny thing is now I'm going, to, I'm going to be going to fairs with my grandchildren, but I don't think I'm going to find a pyromania mirror <laughs> that I could get, unless I'm too old to do coke. Uh, just good, good fucking memories, man. Real good fucking memories. It's a, and it's a, it's a fucking awesome album. It really is. I mean, I listened to this album. You know, oh, okay, let's compare. High and dry is better. All right, we got that out of the way. Pyromania is more poppy, more polished, but it still rocks. And rocks fucking hard does it do. And there's some yeah. epic songs on this that, you know, um, I just think this fucking album's amazing. Now, this is something when I was reading, you know, Martin's critique of this, um, you know, I got what he said because, you know, I, I do prefer the actual sound of high and dry. And this is one I would love to see maybe a little bit stripped back, like a remix 
version of it, but I don't I don't think you'll ever fucking see it. I don't think you'll ever see it because the the amount of people like you and me that would like to hear like these songs, but with more high and dry production, are very minuscule compared to the people who just want to hear fucking animal and pour some sugar on me and do you want to get rocked? You know, there's there's more. No offense, Johnny Bogans out there than us. <laughs> you know that that love that shit in that style. And, uh, but, but I think no matter what you think of the production, the songs shine through on this and it, it's some of the best catchiest, you know, pop metal that there is. Um, but why don't you take the first track, Ralph? Rock, rock, track. Yeah. Rock, rock till you drop now. Well, you were saying earlier how Mutt Lang like changed shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. this song, uh, it's on this record state record store day live album I bought, right on the high and dry tour. A song called Medicine Man. That was this song. Oh, okay. Medicine Man was rock, rock till you drop, and it starts pretty much the same, but then it goes into. I mean, it still has the same riff and everything, but you hear a lot of new elements on this version where I, I believe Mutt Lang probably brought it in. I love it, man. It's a great opener. It's uh, Joe's. I love Joe's gritty voice. You know, I love the vibe. I love the lyrics. I love how it ends with too loud, man, too loud. It's an <laughs> awesome, best song to open this album with. Love Rock Rock Team Drop. Awesome too. Well, uh, I, I love it too. And, and that intro, you know, the way this album starts out, you know, Da-da! You don't know that. Dantun, 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 you know. Oh my God. Uh, now I did read this was one. It did get totally reworked once Phil Collin came in, because you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, you know, who aren't the uber nerds that we are, uh, Pete Willis is on every track on this album. You know, in rhythm tracks and stuff like that. Uh, Phil Cullen was brought in and, you know, did new guitar solos and stuff like that. But I believe this is the only song that was, like, drastically reworked, um, you know, and, and did have, you know, input. I think, Mutt Lang, let me check real quick. I think he has a co-write on every track on this. Uh, yeah. Yep. Every fucking track. But, um no, it, it's great. I love it. And uh, it sounds great to my ears. The only thing that, that I, I don't know if it aged well, and I don't know if it ever hit me until today, but rock, rock till you drop. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of some like, that's some stupid shit. Like, I love the song. I love the music and the, you know, and the build up and everything, but the rock, rock, never stop. <laughs> you know, that's the. Fucking D. Snyder makes fun of that shit. You know, Helix chuckled at that shit. Um, but it's still, it's, you can't take it away. It, it's, it is of the time and the innocence of it. I don't think, you know, they would ever write anything like that now uh, for good and bad reasons. Uh, but what a way to fucking open up the album. Uh, great fucking first track. And then you go into the amazing photograph. Um, uh, that riff i mean the minute you hear that riff and those drums kick in uh just fucking killer 
the video was great. I mean, it was the right song, the right band at the right time. And you kind of, again, you had to be there to realize the impact of this and how it brought this type of music to people who would normally never hear fucking metal, you know? Um, and again, that was good and bad, but uh, just amazing. And <laughs> something that probably a lot of people don't know is, you know, there is keyboards on this record. Uh, Tony K from Yes played some keyboards on here, uncredited. Uh, but probably the biggest keyboard contributor on this album, even though he was credited on the album as Booker T. Boffin, <laughs> but is actually Thomas Dolby. Yes, the oh, wow. she blind, yeah, blinded me with sign. Thomas Dolby played on so much shit in the early 80s that you, you'd have no fucking idea. But he was like the go-to guy in the early 80s when you needed... You know, and that's really where he got his start. And then he put out his own album, you know, that blinded me with science shit. But I mean, he played, you know, rock bands, pop bands, you know, new wave bands, all this shit. He was the go-to guy if you needed uh, any synthesizers. And yeah, that's that's Thomas Dolby on this fucking song. Amazing fucking track. Love Photograph. What do you think? I never, ever, ever will get sick of this song. I think it's the perfect pop song. You know, if it comes on my iPod Shuffle, I ain't clicking next. Like, I just love everything about it. It's so, it's sugary, you know, and uh, it's drum machines. You know, I, I don't believe Rick Allen played at all on this album, to tell you the truth. And, um,. Yeah, love it. Love Joe. Uh, I can't remember. Now, there is a guy, John Congas, uh, did the Fairlight CMI programming. And the Fairlight was very much used in, you know, the early 80s. And a lot of that, like, 80s drum sound you hear is this. But I didn't know. Yeah, I, you know, now that you say that, I think that that might be true. That no, he didn't play it. It is true because there's a... Uh... A VH1 special on Pyromania where they discuss it. Yeah. I now, right. I, can't, I can't recall if it was the whole album. I believe they talked about the whole album. But yeah. I know for sure that they, they used drum machine sound. But yeah. it's awesome. It's an awesome song. I love Joe's scream at the end. Um, the video stupid, though. Joe oh, Elliott, I love it. Joe Elliott trying to do a Daily Raw split. <laughs> was I love it. I, I remember after this, you know, around this time, he'd wear like the, I, is it in this video where he's got the Japanese flag shirt? No, he's got the Union Jack on this show. Okay, well, there, there the was Japanese one. Japanese one is fooling, I think. Yeah, but I remember, like, I had that picture up on my wall, and I wanted that shirt, and they started, and the video was so big, they started selling that. You could order it out of the Sears catalog. There's another thing to take people back. When you used to get shit out of the Sears catalog, and my grandmother refused. She's like, fuck no, your grandfather fought in the Pacific during World War II. I'll be damned if you're wearing a Japanese flag shirt. And I didn't know, no, I just wanted to look like the guy from Death Leopard, you know, instead of Vince Neil now. I didn't buy it, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't buy it, but at the time, that Union Jack shirt was sold at Death Leopard concerts, and yeah. everybody was buying them. I didn't buy one, I don't know why I didn't, but I know 
I knew so many people with that shirt. And going to the Pyromania concert, so many people wearing that shirt. It was yeah. a fashion statement. That and the, the Union Jack shorts. I can't quite remember if they sold the Union Jack shorts at the show. But they definitely show, uh, sold the shirts and it was a hot seller, man. It was huge. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to ask you. By the time they toured this album, were they headliners yeah. for Pyromania? Well, well, they were opening acts for Billy Squire, actually. And I, I believe 38 Special as well. But by the time they came down here, they were headliners for the with uh, Crocus on the Headhunter tour, which was awesome. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that was a show and a half. And yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it was a sold out show. They were huge. Def Leppard by the time they came down here. But yeah, they started the tour opening for Billy Squire, which I remember Joe Elliott would uh, dedicate Billy Got a Gun to Billy Squire every time they'd play it. And, um, and 38 Special, I'm almost positive they were an opening act for 38 Special too at the time. But then they just started selling way more than both those acts combined. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. It was uh, logical that they would headline. So. so next we go into Stage Flight, right? Yeah. What a ripping tune. This is like, oh, man. This, is, this could have fit on, on a high and dry. Oh, definitely. Uh, opening track for the Hysteria Tour. Um, it was, this is the song that I was like, probably my favorite when it was a brand new album. Mm -hmm. I love, it was, it was just a heavy metal. This is heavy metal, you know? Yeah, you can say Rock Rock to drop a little more hard rock and pop metal. This was a heavy metal track. Probably the most metal track on this album. Love, love stage track. Uh, I love it too. This could be my favorite song on the album. And uh, knowing that this was the opener would fit, you know, I could just hear him like, Welcome to my show! You know, and the shit start up. Uh, this is so, I mean, when they were good, they were so damn good. So damn good. I mean, after, you know, getting ready for this, I listened to this three times in a row. And then I went to High and Dry. And I was like, Damn, I love these first three albums so fucking much, you know? It's sad what they became, but it'll never take away what I think about these. And it's the same way, you know, when I when I shit on Kiss, you know, in my opinion of them nowadays, I still feel the magic when I listen to those old albums, you know? Maybe not the solo albums, but, <laughs> you know, the other shit. There's nothing that can be done that can take away... Uh, the impact of these and stage fright is just i don't know it just hits on every level i love that it, you know it, it's a harder track and uh man this is my fucking death leopard love it all right well uh next we'll go into the uh the amazing power ballad amazing too late for love um it's a perfect power ballad with actual power. And, and I love that. It doesn't sound like, you know, uh, what, what's that fucking firehouse shit? You know what I mean? It's not one of those power ballads. This is when something, you know, power ballads meant something. And there's a, there's a couple on it. There's another one that I think is borderline power ballad. 
but this is straight up, you know, power battle like they did with, you know, bringing on the heartache and stuff. Slower songs, you know, with balls though, you know, uh, by the end of the eighties, you know, they were just, they were straight up ballads. There was no power to them. They were just fucking little pussy songs, you know? Uh, but this had balls and meat and it, and it sticks around and it's just amazing track. What do you think? Love it. Love it. I do not like the ah, ah. <laughs> I think if they would have taken the vocals out, it would have been great because I like the riff that's going on under it. It's a minor gripe. I, I really do love it. I remember back in the 80s, that the line, the hero and the clown waiting for yeah. the drove me nuts because it entered my head and I couldn't figure out what song it was. And I would go up to people going, the hero and the clown. What song is that? <laughs> and then finally I heard this song. And I was like, there it is. You know? Um, love it, though. I do love it. I, you know, mine all right. My least favorite on side one. But still not a bad song. Just don't like the, you know, that. Oh, oh, oh. You do it out there. Next song I freaking love. Die Hard to Honor. Song about... The hunter, the deer hunter. Um, wow, this this harkens back to the first album, with where the walls come tumbling down type epic type song where you know I love it. You know, a little you know, helicopter beginning mellow type, and then it gets really heavy. Joe screaming his ass off, and the guitar work in the middle. You can tell Pete Wills wrote that shit. You could tell a mile away that Phil Collins playing Pete Rose. Because it has that same kind of structure you hear in uh, Overture off the first album. Or um, When the Walls Come Tumbling Down. Or sat not Satellite, uh, Enter the Master. It has that, that, the guitar work early Def Leppard had, you don't hear a lot of it on this album, except this song. But it brings it back, you know, it, it's just, it's a long song, it's epic, it was not played on the Pyromania It was played on Hysteria. They did play it that That's time. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't play this on... And, uh, no, what's even more wild is the song they never played off this album is my favorite song off the album that we've that we gotten to yet. Um, but anyway, love it. What do you think of Die Hard Young? Uh, total album track. Uh, <laughs> Die Hard to Hunter. This, this is some fucking Man of War shit. Um, it, my least favorite, but I still like it. Uh, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, doesn't offend me, uh, but it just simply doesn't move me the way the, the rest of the album does. I think it's crazy that they played this on the Stereo Tour. I've never seen Death Leopard, and never will, unfortunately. Yeah, you don't have to. You, you missed out. Yeah. I mean, all, I mean, back all, in, all you're going to see is Hysteria songs and right the hits off this album. Right. And I mean, I don't... How many times have you seen them? Maybe three or four? I saw them um, two, three, four times. Yeah. And but I, I mean, I, I did see later. I saw Def Leppard because it sticks, like maybe yeah. years ago. 
That was the show I was at. Remember the story? I was at that show with this chick, and Stephen Kirk saw me with a girl and didn't come up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that show. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I imagine, though, on, on this tour, though, they, they had to be firing all cylinders. It had to be an amazing show. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, uh, High and Dry was even more crazy. Because they uh, were super hungry running around that stage. But yeah. now they were still fucking awesome. You know, yeah. I'll never forget when they played Wasted, Joe got up on the scaffolding all the way on top and started like shining the light on the audience. That was cool as shit seeing that. Uh, yeah. yeah, man, it was, it was awesome. It was amazing. Oh, awesome. Well, you know, again, I don't hate Die Hard, but it is my least favorite track. But God, I wish they would play this live. <laughs> That'd be that would be helpful now. But side two kicks off with fucking fooling. Oh my God! Uh, now this is the one to kind of call it a power ballad. I don't know. It, to me, it just rocks so hard. But it is kind of a slower tempo. Uh, but this, you know, it's quintessential Death Leopard. This is the sound of Death Leopard to me. Real, I mean, any Death Leopard that I care about. Uh, I, I love it. Another one I don't get sick of. It, it's funny. There's so much shit from this era uh, that I never want to hear again. But I've heard this album a gazillion. Fuck, I mean, I listen to so much of my fucking music. And even listening to it today, there's nothing really where I'm like, oh, I gotta skip that. Where like, yeah, I mean, the pyromania, I mean, the hysteria shit. Like, oh no, not that that would ever come in on my playlist, but if it was on the radio, I'd be like, no, no, I mean, unless it was women. But other than that, it'd be an instant fucking skip. But this shit that's been pounding in my head, probably just as much as a fucking stairway or fucking you know, Hotel California, I'm not burned out on it. I still dig it. What do you think of Fooling? How long has it been since you heard the song Woman? Probably since we did the review. <laughs> the review of Hysteria. Listen to it now, it sucks. You don't like it? Ah. Yeah, compared to the rest of the album. Man, I remember when that came out, I thought... You know, because that was the first single off Hysteria, and it did shit. And a lot of people didn't like it. I always loved it. And then, you know, the album blew up months later. But I like women. I like the B-side more, Tear It Down. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Foolin'. Yeah, love it. Love it. Great, great song. By the time they released this video, they were super humongous. This was the third video from the album they released. I love it, man. Um... Very primitive video with Joe tied up. And um, what can I say? I love it. I love the little acoustic intro. I like when it gets a little heavy. And musically, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, too. Love it. Next one, Rock of Ages. Yes, and sir. If there's anyone that I would be like, yeah, you know what? I've heard this one enough. It's not that I hate it, but it's one of those that, unlike Photograph of Fooling, you know, it's like, nah, this ain't a go-to. But one thing I do remember so specific about Rock of Ages, because it was the second single, 
they released. And it was all over the radio back then. And I remember, man, this is this is wild to think about this today. But in 1983, hearing on the radio a song that would say rock and roll was awesome. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of songs that would say rock and roll in 83. And it was awesome hearing rock and roll coming out of the airwaves, you know? I don't hate it. Don't get me wrong. It's just kind of like there's a burnout factor to this one to me. But, you know, the exaggerated sword that Joe had. All three of these videos are awesome in a bad way. Oh, yeah. You know, and, uh, but, you know, I got to say, the one complaint I have about this song and every song on the album is Phil Collins. I don't think he plays that taste. You know, that's all yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a terrible solo, but they're not Pete Willis or Steve. No. And they gave more solos to, to, to Phil than Steve Smith. It's fucking ridiculous. Steve Clark, yeah. Steve Clark, I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah, I, I did Rock of Ages, but I'm burnt out on it. Uh, again, still not burnt out on it. Still enjoy all three times I listened to it today. Uh, again, pure Death Leopard. Uh, this is this is their sound. Take it or leave it. Uh, but the funny thing was, like, listen to this. You know, like, particularly this song. As much as I enjoyed it, it really made me want to go back and listen to High and Dry, which I started doing <laughs> right before we started recording. And because uh, to me, that's that's their best album. I mean, this one, you know. It's catchy. I see why it's as big, but man, just that sound. Uh, as much as I like on through the night, I, I think the songwriting, you know, improved leaps and bounds on uh, on high and dry, and they'll they'll never better that. But I mean, this is like you know, if you're gonna have a second, this is a damn fine second. Um, but I, no, I absolutely love Rock of Ages. Still not sick. But then we go into Coming Under Fire. And oh man, I love this fucking song. Love this fucking song. And oh my god, why can't they do this anymore? And then I think about it. Oh yeah, computer drums, no Pete Willis, no Steve Clark, and it all kinds of makes sense. Plus, that's not where the the money's at. You know, the money's in them doing fucking ballads and fucking country songs or whatever they fucking do now. That you know fat-ass soccer moms that go pay to see them live now. That's the kind of shit they like. Yeah, they, they wouldn't like anything like this. But, you know, this to me is why I'm such a huge fan of you know, tracks like this. Amazing. One of, my, one of my favorites on the album. What do you think? Definitely my favorite. And as nice. far as I know, never played live. Wow. Yeah, this is a shame. You know, it's like the lyrics are so awesome and the changes you got me. I'm coming. Coming. But back to the wall. <laughs> roses. Ain't no bad. No bad at all. Fucking awesome. Love it. Love every little thing about this song. Definitely up there in my top five all-time Def Leppard song. Coming under fire. It's insane how they, they never really highlighted this song. And to me, it's the best song on the album. And I felt this way for years decades now you know coming under fire is a masterpiece the masterpiece on this album absolutely love it then we got action not words right yes now here's a song i always thought was the filler 
eh, it's not as good as the rest of the album. And I still feel that way. But I listened to it today because I haven't heard, you know, this song in a while. And goddamn, it was fun. Yeah, I still think the other songs are better, but it's a fun tune. I love the verses. Joe, it's it's like a feel-good tune. And, uh, but yeah, it is, I mean, never played live either, so. I mean, not back then. They might have done it later. Um, but um, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a song not very talked about. I can kind of understand why, but listening to it today with kind of fresh ears, it's like, God damn, this is a feel-good tune. It's a happy song. It's cool. I dig it. What do you say? No, I, I fucking love it. And uh, I should have looked it up, but I, I was just like, I prefer with what it is in my head. What what the fuck are they? It sounds like you're saying, fuck me. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, I can't remember what he's saying now. Give me action. I think I think what he's saying is shock me. I think. Okay. Okay. Well, it's cooler in my fucking nine-year-old head if it's fuck me. <laughs> but uh, I, I dig it again. An album track. Uh, nobody talks about this shit. You know. And that's a. But man, could you imagine if you go see them live and they pull something like this out? Like, what a fucking treat that would be. You know, over something like fucking, you know, hysteria, you know, or do you want to get rocked or, you know, any of that fucking tripe that fucking chicks love. I don't know. This, because this is what I fell in love with. This is why I love this band. It's shit like this. Not that, not that other crap. Horrible. You want to get rocked. Dude, I remember seeing that, and, and the funny thing, I was still very young when that came out. I think Adrenalize was like 91. Yeah, it was, it was right when Nirvana came out. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I was 17 in 91. And I knew it was fucking horrible. That horrible video. Remember the video game yeah. type video? You know, but the, do you want to get rocked? You know, it was it was so corny then. Like, and, and if a seventeen-year-old kid saying no, this is too, you know, you know it's bad. You know, and you know, and then you had you know the passing of Steve Clark, which what 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 a sad thing. I was looking it up today. I was like, how old was he? Thirty fucking years old when he died. And you know, I'm thinking about something like, like now at my age, somebody who's thirty is a fucking kid to me. It's like. You got your whole life ahead of you. You're 30. Yeah, we, <laughs> we keep calling Wolfgang a kid. He's like 30. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you're a child. Um, but but sad, sad passing. But man, you look at like what happened to this band, and then it all makes sense. Right after they kicked out Pete Willis, he uh, you know, he didn't really get into music anymore. He did that Gogamog thing with Paul Diano and little but really he put all his time and energy into voodoo. And <laughs> the jinx on this fucking band. Holy shit. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. But I I mean to me that's what really made this band was, you know, Pete Willis and Steve Clark. Get and, up, and that get guitar up. sound. To get off the subject for one second, kinda. Speaking yeah. of hexes and curses, remember Dave Mustaine always talked about, oh, there was this girl I wanted. He did a hex on her. Next yeah. Time he's in bed with her. 
There was yeah. another guy, he put a hex on another guy that had a car accident and became crippled. Yeah. You never hear Dave Mustaine say, I put a hex on Metallica and Cliff Burton died. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know for sure he put a hex on Metallica. I don't believe in hexes and all that, so I'm not saying his hex right. killed Cliff Burton, but yeah. dude, that's one thing. You know he put a hex on Metallica. And when Cliff died, he said, I'm not going to talk about putting a hex on Metallica. <laughs> well, the fuck, that's where the meme came from. Because when that happened, the first thing out of Mustaine's uh, mouth is, it should have been Lars. Yeah. It should have been Lars. <laughs> yeah, if, if that shit worked, they wouldn't have became the biggest band in the fucking world. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, the Death Leopard curse, I mean, the, the sad, I mean, we all make fun of Nine-Armed Death Leopard, and, you know, it, it's a terrible and tragic thing that happened, you know, um, to, uh, what's his name? Rick Albert. Rick Allen. Yeah, terrible thing that happened. You know, sucks. Somebody's so young. I mean, because he's the youngest guy in the band. Yeah. I think he was in he was in his early 20s when that happened. And the fact that he persevered, man. He relearned how to play drums. And even though I don't like the sound of it, I mean, I, honestly, as many jokes as we make, the guy has all my fucking respect. I mean, he beat his wife with one arm. That's tenacity. You know, that's that's like, guy. Yeah, you ain't gonna get me down. You know, he do the whole. You know, she's watching his nub, watching the nub, and then he comes across and fucking knocks her fucking teeth out. That's awesome. I hate you when know? people with one arm do that shit. That that nub <laughs> trick pisses me off. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, you know, and then Steve Clark, and and then just I don't know. They just they went away without going away. <laughs> you know, it's like they went away and got bigger at the same time. Like nobody buys their new records, but yet somehow they're always on fucking tour and you never saw Death Leopard playing clubs. You know, they always find a way. They don't care if they got to go out with fucking Billy Ray Cyrus or fucking Sticks or fucking whoever. You know, they always find a way to stay in, in fucking amphitheaters and, and, and the now stadiums. Uh, which boggles my mind, but you know the, the masses are fucking idiots. You know that's the only thing I can attribute it to. Yeah, you know. like I don't know, man. Whoever like likes Def Leppard now, like their new music, you're, you can't possibly be a music fan. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if anybody even does like their new music. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I've never met anybody. I've never. I, I know people I know. who go see them live, but I have yet to hear somebody say, "I really like the new Death Leopard." I heard one idiot say, "Yeah." All right, we we've talked about Mark enough during this show. Yeah. Stop dragging his name. That's the that's the idiot I'm talking about, by the way. He loves. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he loves that new Death Leopard stuff. Oh God. All right, well, then we'll go into the last track, which is Billy's Got a Gun. Um, this is one that grew on me over the years. I was never into this one when I was younger. For whatever reason, I would always uh, stop it after Action Not Words. Uh, but listening to it now, I really fucking dig it, you know, and definitely my least favorite would be Die Hard, which I heard a thousand times more. I don't know why this never got me before. But uh, I love it now. And the funny thing I learned today doing research is there's a name for the ending of this song. You know, when it stops and it's all that weird noise and shit? Yeah. 
like keyboard shit. It's called the March of the Wooden Zombies. That makes no sense. Makes no fucking sense. The whole thing makes no fucking sense. The wow, wow, <laughs> like whatever, whatever. I can't even believe it made the final cut, let alone it has a fucking name. Uh, but the actual song, uh, I dig it now, man. And uh, you know, cool to see that it used to be on the set list. How did this translate live? I imagine it'd go over pretty good. It went over well. They didn't do it in stereo. They did that Pyromania tour. Right. It was great. I thought it was great. This was always kind of like, I like the song, but it's always been low. Right. Like, I, had an action. I thought the last few songs were kind of like, it wasn't as strong as everything before it. But uh, yeah, they played it live. I remember they played it on that tour and it was played well. Uh, I like the song. I can't say I love it, but I like it. It's good. I like the riff in it, and it's a very passable tune. So there you go. That's what we think of Pyromania. And fuck, yeah. fuck those wooden zombies. <laughs> that shit sucks. I don't like. It's like it's like Sergeant Pepper. I hate that thing at the end of Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> this is kind of like the same thing. An annoying thing to end the album. All right. Well. This was recorded. You, you talked about how this was, you know, supposed to come out. There's all kinds of shit. It was recorded through January to November of 1982. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Released January 20th, 1983. Produced, of course, by John Mutt Lang. And there's also a story uh, which, which could be true, could be a fabrication. But uh, Joe Elliott talks about... Uh, meeting Phil Lanott from Thin Lizzy and uh, they were at the same record label or whatever and, and Phil said he goes I just heard your album he goes and I'm breaking up Thin Lizzy because I, I can't compete with this I heard that same story too I don't think Joe is making that up I don't think he is either I, I, I really don't and I think that was probably I mean if you look at Phil back at that time you know look how long he had been grinding it out with than Lizzie, and really, I mean, while they have our love and respect now, you know, they never made it to that next level. He was grinding it out. He's, you know, constant lineup changes, and he's fighting heroin addiction. And then he hears this, which really was a new sound. This was a, a change in the guard, kind of like how Nirvana was. I mean, it really, really was. Uh, so I could there, see. There was a lot of bands that copied Pyromania. Oh, yeah. A lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's a diamond record. It sold over 10 million copies, which I'm sure it's even higher than that. But that's the highest thing they achieve now is, is, a, is a diamond rating. But uh, again, made it as high as number two, only kept off from Thriller. But look at the list of albums, you know, 1984, all this other shit, you know. You know, that's one thing always gets me when, with these Hagar fucking tards. Oh, they all went to number one. And I'm like, yeah, what were they up against? Fucking Taylor Dane and Robert Palmer? <laughs> you know? Look at what fucking 84 was against, you know? Still, if you weren't there, you don't realize the juggernaut that Thriller was. And all these... Yeah, I mean, look at this. Uh, both Pyromania and 1984 sold well over 10 million copies and still didn't make it to number one because of Thriller. <laughs> you know, yeah, what, what else can I fucking tell you? 
the first Van Halen album didn't go number one, over 10 million copies. Hold on. Keep talking. All right, you hear me? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm in between. I don't know what's going on. The iPods keep cutting out. I'm getting back on. Well, now you, I can hear you. You hear me now? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love it. Love the album. Huge Def Leppard fan. I predicted their success in 1980, and you know, I was horrified. Five years later with Syria, first listen, <laughs> I wanted to kill somebody. I was so surprised. <laughs> And I listened to it over and over again because they were coming, you know? So I did become well-versed in hysteria before I saw them. And it was not a bad show until they played hysteria songs, especially God of War. Oh, that painful to watch. Horrible songs. Watch that live was painful. Tesla Mechanical Residence Tour opened. it was a good show, man. But yeah, I mean, I left that show going, you know what, man? Fuck Pyromania. I never listened to Pyromania since till we had to do that review. But hysteria, you mean? Hysteria. There, there was a little while there. I did listen to it a lot because I wanted to become well-versed on it when I saw it live. And I remember going, man, these songs ain't doing nothing. And mind yeah. you, this is when Def Leppard Hysteria didn't explode yet. You know, Hysteria no. was a huge bomb when I saw it live. And no. it wasn't until Pour Some Sugar on Me exploded. But no. uh, that was many, many months after I saw it live. So, no. there you go. All right. Well, now it's time to go into Pick of the Week. You got a Pick of the Week? No, I don't. All right. Well, then do the song. It's the only time that you can say Ian before Rob. Pick of the Week. All right. Well, I, I struggled this week, actually. I was like, oh, what, what the fuck am I going to pick? I'm, I'm hungover from doing fucking two shows in two days and going on my third day here, and then I got football tomorrow. Uh, so it's kind of a lazy pick, but in a way, I think it's an important pick, and I'm going with high and dry. Yeah. Um, because there, there may be some people out, you know, some listeners to our show who didn't grow up with Death Leopard. Okay, so you know the pour some sugar on me stuff, and you're like, no, that's not my bag, uh, you know, and you've never given it a chance. And especially if you're a metalhead, I think High and Dry even more so than Pyromania would be a great place to start and, and give you a different appreciation, you know, and you get like what we're saying about how great they used to be. And I, I know that could be hard for me, like some bands, like, you know, if I always grew up hating them, or thinking they suck, like, yeah, why do I want to go give a chance? I'm telling you, I'm pleading you. Check out High and Dry. I mean, it's just a great early 80s hard rock record. Um, great songwriting, great playing, and totally different than what, you know, Death Leopard is now. So, High and Dry, my pick of the week. Hell yeah. All right, I got one. It's the brand new. See if I can get it on screen. Brand new the Raven. Brand new Raven album called All Hell's Breaking Loose. It is an album where they do that kiss song 12 times in a row. All Hell's Breaking Loose. <laughs> Featuring Vinnie Vincent. Um, no, it's actually a really good album. 
I was a big fan of the last one, Rock City. I thought yeah. that, I mean Metal City. I think this one's even better. Um I will have to check that out. Yeah, it's a smoking tune. I love the title track. And, uh Surf the Tsunami is awesome. And uh, Invasion, Go for the Gold, the Far Side. New Raven. All all Hell's Breaking Loose is my pick of the week. Alright, yeah, and I encourage anybody. Uh, you know, I got to witness Raven with Ralph at the first Rockin' Pod. Amazing live band. Really good shit, man. Check them out. Yeah. All right, well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week. And, and I was thinking, too, like, oh, okay, it's Fan of the Week. And I started thinking about, like, missing in action fans. You know, so somebody we ain't seen in a while that, that we miss. And I'm sending out a message, TikTok man. Yeah, you know what? I, right when you said that, that was the first thing that in my mind. TikTok. Where is TikTok I man? I think TikTok man's the only person I know. <laughs> TikTok man, holy shit! Uh, such a huge part of what was it? Rocket Pod one and three. He was at, and, and man, hanging out with this motherfucker. And then our legendary fucking Hot in the Shade episode. Oh my God, was he so good? He he's one of the. He's one of those who, who translated it into like, was funny as fuck on. Well, actually, he wasn't on Facebook, really. Yeah, he is. I mean, but he doesn't post it much. Yeah. yeah. But oh my God, he was so good on the fucking show and hanging out with the guy in person. He's a lunatic, man, in the best possible way. And miss a motherfucker. We gotta get TikTok on, yeah. and 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 we've got to pick an album that he fucking hates, because there's nothing funnier. Yeah. You you think we're funny when we hate something? There's nothing like TikTok man unleashing, you know, giving it that full mass hole treatment that only he can do. So. I'm going to our greatest kiss episode is with TikTok man. That that <laughs> episode when he goes off on Tito, that's some gold, man. Oh my god. And, and, and then he, he ended up liking one of the crappy songs on the album. <laughs> funnier. He actually liked one of those shit songs. Forgot which one. <laughs> and the funniest thing was, I think the last time I talked to TikTok was when you and I got back together. And he just sent me a, a thing on Facebook Messenger. He says, it's about time you two fucking homos made up. <laughs> and, so, and it was just so TikTok. <laughs> you know, it's like... You know, and I get that. Uh, trust me, I get, you know, if you're not that much of a Facebook uh, person and stuff. But reach out to either me or Ralph, man. And we got to we gotta plan some little TikTok. Yeah, man. TikTok. If you're seeing this, dude, definitely get a hold of because I don't know how to get a hold of him. Yeah. I go on Facebook. I'll go check. Yeah. I don't know. I need to check, too. But, yeah, tick, we need the return of TikTok. We do. Yeah. If any past guests I want back, it's t- there's only two past guests I want back. TikTok man and Jeff Beards. Yeah, man. <laughs> I want Jeff Beards back. We gotta get Jeff Beards on one of our live shows. I, I want to dig around and find something that Jeff Beards actually doesn't like. I think that would be incredible. Oh, he, he didn't like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> no, man. It's a no. Uh, no, he's like, well, you know, it's not my thing. It's like he's almost apologizing for not liking it. I love it. Love you, Jeff. Love you, TikTok. Yeah, we got to get Jeff yep. back on the show. Yeah, both of you get a hold of us. 
All right, well, hopefully I'm back off my Facebook ban uh, tomorrow so I can post this episode. It'll be up on Podbean and on the YouTube page as well. And I implore all of you, uh, let's make that YouTube channel grow. Make sure you subscribe, and not only subscribe, but hit that little bell that says I get all the notifications. Yeah, trust me, we don't do enough videos for you to be bothered by it. But uh, And also, uh, send this out to people listening. If there is anybody out there that can kind of help us with you know some of these technical difficulties we're having, uh, please hit me up on Facebook. And, and, and seriously, it doesn't matter how much of a fan you are. I, I need somebody who really knows this kind of shit. Um, so if you enjoy that, come back next week when next week it's the return of the dreaded fan paid episodes. Woohoo! But we have an amazing guest. Yeah, from Decimal, Decimal Geek, Aaron Camaro is going to be here with us. And that's going to be, yes, it's going to be an amazing episode. Check that out next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Back on my job!